arlequín, un arlequín que salta y baila para ocultar su corazón lleno de pena. Me clavó en la cruz su folletín de magdalena porque soñé que era Jesús y te salvaba. Me engañó tu voz, tu llorar de arrepentida sin perdón. Pero mujer, pensé en mi madre y me clavé. Hello everybody, welcome to week 37. Eight. That too, what? <laughs> 38. 38? <laughs> yeah. No. That's right. There, man, that's, uh, I just wish they really are blurring together. <laughs> Well, I only know because of the name of the show. We put the number. Oh, on. it says right in front of my face. <laughs> Are you sure that's not a seven? <laughs> well, it could be in another language, possibly. Isn't that fascinating that numbers are the only thing that doesn't change? Unless you're using Roman numerals. Well, I think we killed and all those Arabic people. numerals. <laughs> Is there really? I mean, I don't know about outside of like small villages and tribes, I think. Like my no? grandmother used to use Arabic numbers when she calculated because she mm -hmm. grew up with that. And then when Turkish language was established, that was like in the middle of her life. Mm -hmm. So she learned that too, the Latin alphabet and the numbers. But yeah. It's she used what she grew up with when she was calculating, which made sense. Yeah, I uh, I don't even know how to use numbers. Apparently, can't even read them. <laughs> Apparently, maybe I should maybe them. I should use Arabic numbers. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> yeah, it's a cute song, and um, you know what's funny that. is um, I know. It's not that funny. Never mind. Forget it. 
<laughs> I'm not gonna even question. <laughs> if you already don't find oh, it for me, God. don't yeah. share. I'm don't not. Share. I'm not going to. <laughs> so that's what reminds a... me of Robin a lot because uh, I would like. I am guessing he played that every week at Princeton Tango Club because mm -hmm. he played it every time that I taught with him. And I can't imagine it was a coincidence that every time I attended, he played it. No, I don't and... think you're the Arlequin. But I think that he probably played that everywhere. I mean, yeah, probably that's definitely I can see like I could make we could make a video, a music video of like Robin Thomas. Like creeping across the dance floor, you know, he like throw his fingers up in the air. He put his, he like start batting his head left and right, like he's on the prowl. I could hear the music. It's like, um, like kind of. I'm not to say that he's a villain, but it's kind of like a villainous scene where he's like, he's searching for his next partner. The next person to run up to to help in class or during the practica. I never worked with anyone so energized and ready to like always be there for his students. And um, I never got tired of that song. I mean, we play a lot of songs a lot. Like I had the same freaking playlist for our Thursday classes for a long time. Um, but yeah, this song, I never really got tired. I'm curious. Of. I never did this, although I thought about it. There's a lot of things I think about doing quite often that I never do. Um, one of which is like, I should make a playlist that is exactly an hour or more or less an hour. Mm -hmm. And so I could like keep track in my head of where I am, especially during a private lesson. Um, Cause I like, like you just said, I have a playlist that I always use from Spotify that I would play. Um, For privates, I needed to change it more. Uh, both See, them, but for... Oh, that's interesting. I wonder why. Because I found for privates, I would sort of use that time selfishly to study the music. So, I mean, it wouldn't be like that complex. It would be like Canaro and, and you know, Lamuto and things. But it was sort of a time that I would... I normally would never listen to that kind of music or play it at a milonga. So hmm. I would utilize the private lesson time for that. Just to study the music a little bit for myself, but um, mm -hmm. but I never bothered to actually just make a playlist that was an hour, so I could tell, oh, I'm about forty five minutes in. Here's this Darienzo part of the playlist. Or something. Yeah, well, sometimes depending on the student's energy, I decided to play a certain orchestra more during a private instead of mm -hmm. like in a group class. I'm okay with tandas because like each tanda with at least or like a mix of it doesn't even have to be four songs but mix of stuff because people will be inspired with different things unless like we pick one song sometimes for the whole class uh, but that's when that's not happening uh, in a group class I prefer the orchestra changes more often but with the private lesson I tend to stick to one or two orchestras throughout I think hmm. and then um, start with that and go from there and sometimes start something and I'm like oh no this isn't flying yeah so, yeah yeah definitely I, I it's interesting to study the, the, the student's ear 
you know, I worked with that guy, Steve, for many years. And um, <laughs> I hope that, you know, I, I occasionally, I don't know if I, I, there's a lot of other teachers listening and I don't know how you've been keeping in touch, but occasionally certain students, people that I'm not particularly close to, but who I have a relationship with, I've been sending them texts every every six weeks or so just saying, hey, you still can send me money if even if you don't want to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, and I'm just like, hey, hope you're doing well. Um, yeah, you know, I definitely touch. reach out. Yeah, and, um, but I... Steve, it was interesting because Steve was somebody who like you saw every week. Do you remember when we taught my dad? We never yeah. talked about that when he was on the show, did we? God, yeah, that was a nightmare. Okay, we, we did. We did. That was a nightmare. So, um. Steve has a really hard time with rhythmic music because he hears the beat so strongly that he he marches basically, you know. I see. And since I started off like with Robin, I love rhythmic music. But I always felt the the percuss I always felt the off beats and the little syncopations throughout so I could always feel like all the possibilities with the rhythms and that really helped me. So in the early days when I worked with Steve, I would play, you know, um, Canaro or, or things that are like very rhythmic and mm-hmm. excuse me and um, until um, hold on until several months in I played like Bahia Blanca and he would just automatically move to phrases mm. and it was super interesting because and he said well I feel like I know now when I need to stop ahead of time mm-hmm. so I know how long I have to move Mm-hmm. And I had another student, Victoria from Hunter, who had a similar comment as well. Um, and that was when I was first sort of like introduced to me this idea that people, some people look at the music immediately without even being taught in like these larger chunks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even though like you and I n- naturally and a lot of us listen, li- who listen to tango, we, you know, if you watch early videos of yourself or something, you, you see that you, you hear the phrasing, but you're still rhythmically dancing more than that. But you tend to pause at the end of a phrase and this and that. Um, these, these sort of people hear it and they don't move on the beat like we might, but they move to uh, a moment and then mm-hmm. they take time. And I was like, oh, okay. So with Steve, I always played, um, if I was frustrated, I would play Canaro. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like, Steve, Canaro for you, bitch. No, um, <laughs> So I would, I would just always play like he loved. He was just gifted with Pugliese too. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, no. Whenever I felt like, uh, especially at the beginning, a student is marching too much and feeling like they have to do something all the time, I immediately put something that is uh, simple, disarly, and they like calm down and they start pausing and. And it's like so easy to learn to sing it in a way. So I'll make them, mm. I'll play the same bizarrely, like maybe one or two, so that they really learn to be able to sing it. And then they really start phrasing more and like get rid of the anxiety of marching, I think. I don't I know, loved, you know. I love the class that we had with Horacio when he had us singing, I think it was Indio Manso or... or something which what something which had very obvious melodic phrases and very os- obvious rhythmic melodic phrases and then he had us flip it so that you know 
we would either sing, I'm, I'm going to do Bahia Blanca because it's in my head right now, like, da di da di da 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 Or he, we would go, da di da di da 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 You know, just to introduce that the melody can be rhythmic as well as, quote-unquote, melodic melody. Mm-hmm. And um, hmm, I, I just, don't remember this class. This might have been the weekend where you were sick when we had him here. This was no, the yeah. I, this... I made it to the tango classes during that. Remember, I well, watched. you were not. <laughs> your body might have been there. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. But I don't remember even if that was last. But time I want to say hi to anyway. Puja. You should shut up. Hi Puja. <laughs> hi Chico. Hi Puja. You started insulting hey, me. <laughs> I did not. You insulted yourself. You could have just gone along with my story and been like, "Yeah, you're right. I wasn't there." I actually no. thought your story was maybe about the online class that he's teaching because he does that there too. You no, know, no, that's that's yeah, it, it that's another place. You know, he's doing it, but uh, he did it as well when he was here. Yeah, this new online class stuff is going to change the way a lot of teachers tour. And the, a lot of people what tour? Well, if you don't need to fly. 3,000 mm. miles to teach a workshop on musicality and leave your family and be organized and stay in a place perhaps you're not so comfortable with. Um, and you can do, like Horacio has been doing classes with small groups multiple days of the week. I don't know if his schedule will allow for that or any of ours would will allow for this in the future when we're actually physically working again. But, you know, we can have, we can quote unquote organize for people through Zoom or whatever and have a, if it's a musicality class where you don't necessarily need to sh- watch figures, for example, it opens I up a lot of doors. I told this to you months ago. You don't <laughs> listen when you Chico. I was supposed to share. Hi, Pooja. Hi, Adam. <laughs> Hello, Pooja. Let's talk Hi, about Chico. your new project. My new project. Um. Well, what do you guys want to want to know about it? Do you just want me to talk about so it? So you actually it? had the idea for wine, vinyls and wine before yes. the wor- virtual world took over. <laughs> I did. So, but I, now um, you started it regardless. Yeah, I, I kind of did. So I was trying to um, understand the tango scene and also um, kind of in Austin, but in general, like how do we get maybe different people involved? And I found that a lot of the friends that I was making in Austin weren't necessarily getting into tango because they were intimidated by dancing, mm-hmm. but they would like come to events and hang out with me and they would like people watch and things like that. And they'd always have questions. And then there were other people who danced a lot, but I never really got to know them because they were dancing the entire time. So there was this wine bar that I um, had been going to frequently, and the owner and I got to know one another. So we started a tango vinyls and wine frequently. Night. Oh yeah. Ooh. <laughs> and so I would take. I was living in the basement of this wine bar, <laughs> and uh... well, no, it was, just, it was just like turning into like a weekly sort of thing anyway, um, <laughs> or at least a weekly thing if I was in town. If I was flying out, I might miss him, but like, or miss going to the bar, but. If I was in town, that was probably the bar that you would find me at. Um, 
So we decided to partner up and create this event where I would bring vinyls. So I was kind of curating all of the music and it was all tango. And so if you were new to tango, it was kind of your opportunity to listen and hang out with people who know about the music, ask questions, or just listen to us talking to one another as dancers. And if you're a dancer, but you don't really get to chat with people too much because you're too busy dancing, it's still a unique opportunity because there aren't that many vinyls floating around in the United nice. States. So that was the event concept. We got to do it one time and then we went into lockdown. So we only got to do it once. But the one time was pretty successful. Everyone had a great time. Everyone was looking forward to it again. But we, we just couldn't do it. This wine bar is so tiny. Um, but that's kind of one of the things I love about it. It's, it's, it's got a speakeasy style. A lot of people can't mm. find it until I kind of introduce them to it. Um, so it really wasn't conducive to what we have going on with COVID. And then I was trying to figure out how to pivot not having events. And I decided to turn the event into a docu-series. So I'm starting to um, meet up with people virtually and record um, episodes, which consist of the same kind of three topics that you would have gotten out of the event. So there is a spotlight of a wine by the bar itself and the owner of the bar. And then I will pick a tangle vinyl or it's turning into maybe a few per episode mm -hmm. to talk about something tango related. Um, it won't always be the same. It's not like I'm always trying to go over the entire record or talk about the orchestra. It could change depending on what I feel like talking about. Mm -hmm. And then I'll try to do a conversation with somebody who's done something during the pandemic related to tango and found a way to kind of pivot because I want to keep it mostly positive, but also very real. So I don't really know where the conversation will go. And We'll is the perfect. It will is the bar going to send us the bottle of wine as well? We, we <laughs> looked into that. Um, not yet. Maybe, maybe by the time I get to season two, I'll figure out how to make the think, logistics work on that. I think New York has some pretty strict well, as, as laws we, anyway. So. As we speak, we're sending wine to Alex and Pooja, <laughs> and I'm sending one to you, Adam, so we can all start drinking right now. Okay. Hi, Welcome, Alex. Alex. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Good. I'm excited uh, to have you I'm, back. I only have to get too. through 1,300 songs on your um, discography tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I've Talk compiled. About... What I've Talk done, about... Alex, is I've um, spliced them all together in 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still four hours long, right? And it's just like that. I know. <laughs> it's amazing. While talking about vinyls, I have one of your vinyls, Alex. You mm -hmm. do? Yeah. Yeah, I have the one white of album. Tango. The white the album. White album. There, there <laughs> no, are two white albums, but there's only there's only one vinyl album, and it's really good. I need to. Yeah, find I it. love it's it. It's white, correct? It's black and white. I I believe I have it too. Yeah. Yes. The, the actual vinyl is yeah, well, it's white. So uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I'll um, make sure you find it, Pooja. Uh, I'm going to look contact this guy called Alex Krebs. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I, I, I would like email. to say hello, too, since I haven't seen him in a long yeah, time. Yeah, Pooja, yeah. How are you? <laughs> you know, uh, just here in my empty studio, pacing around, have a little too much mate in my system. I think the adrenaline of being on the show and drinking all the mate, I'm all like, 
I'm all worked up, so I'm pacing around the studio now. And oh my God, I'm pacing by. around too. Uh, I hear yeah. you. I was just pacing around in circles in, in the house as well. Yeah, yeah in line I'm of dance, longer. because I, I find my pacing, I'm still going in line of dance even by myself. I, I no was longer just going to ask that. I no longer pace, I just twitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask if you're going counterclockwise, because I'm somehow going clockwise. You are? Because it feels awkward to go around my You're such a rebel, kitchen, Chica. Kitchen counter, counterclockwise. I don't know why. I just switched, and I will see how I feel about this. Yeah, careful with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pooja, we're looking forward to being a part of this project. And I'm it would have obviously much more yeah. enjoyable in person, but we're going to get together next week. I'm going to go to Newark, and we're going to do this thing together. And... We're gonna we're gonna do the show at 10 a.m. drinking wine. <laughs> it won't be it won't be 10 a.m. But but yes, you're welcome to have wine. Um, until I can figure out how to send it, you might have to BYO your own. But you can also drink anything else that you want. Yeah, we'll figure out what I have in stock here. Might have to be tequila or scotch. That works too. Anything that okay. you want to have. Um, and I won't tell you all like who the other guests are going to be. I'm going to let that be a secret and slowly drip the information to the rest of the world. Um, but you're the only two that everyone will know about now. <laughs> Whoops, we gave it away. <laughs> it's okay. Um, well, looking forward to it, looking forward to shooting with you guys in a couple of days and listening to the rest of the show. Thank you for cool. being a loyal Thank listener. You for... You're always the first person on the air listening every week since... <laughs> Since the beginning, it's kept so me we going, appreciate that. So thank I you so appreciate much. you guys doing this. Um, we appreciate thank you. you guys and you. Thank you. Yes, and, thank you, and thanks. It's for obviously going. it's obviously dark and cold out because we have more listeners now than we've had in several weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, Alex. I think we had you in summer last time, no? I think it was beginning of summer it was june or july if i recall right and it the numbers of people listening live had dropped because people were finally able to go out for a bit mm -hmm. so yeah. i recall we were joking about like our 24 listeners yeah the early <laughs> days were big and then and then once we were free again we we were all back outside but um but hopefully soon you know Everybody will be quarantined again, and we'll have we'll have. See, this is I know how a dictatorship works now. I totally get it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for everybody to be stuck at home again. <laughs> so they have to listen to us every week. Yes. Well, they still download and listen. They're just not with us live as much. I know. So you don't have to be a dictator, Adam. Oh man, that's man. why I got into tango in the first place. <laughs> Wow, I can't wait. Should we start with a song or should we start with a story, Alex? Um, up, up to you. How it's, it's your show. I'm here. I'm happy to answer questions or explain stuff or tell no, you it's... what's in my mind. And... Well, you're basically, it sounds like you're doing a bit of a retrospective. It sounds like you're doing a bit of a retrospective through your website right now from the video I saw. Just showing you the work over the last 18 years. Um, how did you get started with um, 
recording music and, and deciding to take it to that level? I mean, what you you might have played for a while beforehand. I don't know, but what what got you going with the idea of recording, and what were some of what was that like in the early days? Um. Well, the first group was actually it started off. So I started playing bandoneon in 2001. I've been a musician all my life, but you know I was playing and practicing a ton, kind of addicted to just practicing the instrument. And then uh, a dancer here and musician, harmonica player and singer Joe Powers mm-hmm. said, "Hey, let's let's go busk at the Saturday market here in Portland." So we would you know play outside and make ten bucks and get a slice of pizza and a beer afterwards and um and it was fun and then we're like you know we should expand so we uh we're thinking who should we get and i i think like a week later um this guy alan renier showed up at a milonga and and asking if there were any tango bands that he could play with and we're like oh my god we need a bass player you're a bass player it sounds like a good fit so uh alan joined and then around the same time, Erin Furby, she was uh, on, on violin. She was playing with the Denver Symphony Orchestra and also with a group out in Denver called Ecstasis, who was, a, when they were solvent, was a f- phenomenal group. They played a lot of um, Pugliese transcriptions and also Piazzolla, but she moved here. And I don't remember how I got a hold of her, um, but she joined the group. So it was a little quartet. And then a dancer in the community was dating this jazz pianist who's kind of a big deal, at least in the Portland jazz scene. His name is Tom Grant. So we formed this kind of quintet and we play at the Milongas. And it was the early days. There, there weren't really many, too many live tango bands. So we had the good fortune of like, you know, if I played Happy Birthday and Bandoni on it, was amazing. Most people, yeah, I remember, <laughs> I remember those going to. I was like, oh like my that. god, he can get a sound out of that thing, you know. So, <laughs> so we, we had the good fortune of, um, you know, because in that those days it was it was very fun and sloppy and rhythmic mm-hmm. and and chaotic, and we were kind of inventing it as we were going along, and um, so it definitely has that energy and that rhythmicness, but um, a, a lot of strange thing too and the way the recording happened is joe knew this guy who had a recording studio mississippi recording studios jim brunberg was the engineer uh, in charge at that time and he was teaching a, a class at the local community college on on recording and they just needed a band to record so he's like well if you come you can record and we'll record it and mix it for you for free so I was like, free sounds great. You know, what do we have to lose? Might as well. So we showed up and recorded. Did free sound great after it was finished? Free. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just, I was just thrilled. Like, I, you know, recording really wasn't on, on my mind. I, I, it's not like I set out to record an album, but this opportunity mm-hmm. arose and it, it's a, it's a really good recording studio, uh, you know? Nice. And so, so we and did how that. Do you... and... Sorry. That's, go ahead. Had you recorded, like, knowing that you were playing music before tango, had you recorded anything before this no, album? I, um, I mean, just, like, you know, my... So I, I studied music and physics at Reed College, and my my uh, music thesis was a, an original composition for Sextet. So, I mean, that was recorded, but not, like, released in any ways. Hmm. And, I mean, 2001, I was 20 four years old. So um, I wasn't, I don't know, I, I wasn't planning to be, uh, to be a recording musician by any means, by profession or, or otherwise. So recording was, was not really on my, on my radar. Agenda. It just kind of happened. 
Yeah. And did you so use m- music? The saxophone, and, oh, sorry, right? sorry. So yeah, I started as a kid playing violin, the Suzuki method, really kind of classical. You are one of the Suzuki know. kids now. I know what that. They means. have a large well, family, I must say. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I did it. So I started. I don't know when I was three or four, and then when I was around ten or twelve, I switched to saxophone. Um, wow! And then how did that. your parents take that? Oh, they're. Oh, they're su- they've been supportive through everything. My, my nice. parents, you know, in retrospect. Have you I'm ever like, met such a well-adjusted guy? Obviously, he's got amazing <laughs> parents, Chico. Jesus. I mean, I, I, I smile just thinking about this man. You know, it's I true. never remember them telling me, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you should rethink that. Um, why don't you stick with this? It's kind of like when I wanted to do something, they let me. And granted, I mean, I was a good, I was a good, easy kid, I think, you know, so it was, I think, easy on them and, and easy for me to just kind of not really have a lot of restrictions. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. they, they said, like, you, you know, you sure you want to switch? Yes, I do. Okay. Like, that's, if he wants to play saxophone, that's, you know, at least he wants to play an instrument. You know, that's yeah. as a parent now, I'm thinking like, wow, that's, you know, for a kid to want to play any instrument, even if they want to change, it's good to expose them because if they become passionate about an instrument, they're going to want to practice and play and continue. It's so true. How are your kids doing, by the way? Kids play. (laughs) Kids are kids are doing good. So, yeah, um, I would say they're they're musical, but they don't they don't play an instrument. So the rule in the house is you know you got to play an instrument from when you're six to twelve. So now our thirteen year old um, he played violin Suzuki method from six to twelve and sounded great. But you know he's a He's an athlete. He's he's 13 years old. He's 6'2 and like Whoa. 150, Jesus. 158 pounds. I mean, we share clothes and he's you know, Oh my, oh my god. He's like basketball through and through and athlete and you know just he turned 12. He's like I'm done with violin. So I'm like wow. I, I get it, you know, you fulfilled your commitment 6 years. Well, you you're lucky cuz the Portland Trailblazers tend to hire white players. So you <laughs> <laughs> I remember no, he's, he's the days when he was well. shorter than me. That was probably the yeah. last time we've seen <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a he's a young man, and 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 he's great. And you know, I I support his passion for basketball. You know, uh, just to have a passion, I think, is important to me. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, mm-hmm. of course, I I wanted to expose them to instruments in case they wanted to do that, and so. And and the younger one, Nicholas, he went through, he started on piano and then switched to uh, guitar and switched to voice. And so he went through and wow. um, he's, he has musical tendencies. But uh, then with COVID, it was kind of hard with lessons and over mm. Zoom wasn't. So he yeah, continued kind of to sort of be musical, but he right now he's not in sort of a... Well, fun. even when you have that background as a kid, like the, later on, you... Like if you're interested, it's so much easier to get back to those things and pursue yeah. something and find passion in it. Yeah. Also, so those amazing. those experiences serve you later. I mean, maybe he goes out on a date one night and or whatever, and he hears music and he can be like, "Oh, this is Vivaldi's Third Concerto," and yeah. he'll be like, "Oh my God, this basketball star <laughs> yeah. knows his music." Knows yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> Poor kids, they've been subjected to Brahms' Third Symphony so many times that <laughs> because that's that's my favorite classical. Oh, symphony. really? So, okay. like, uh, what movement is that? Oh, it's the third movement. You know, they, <laughs> they know it by, we play it a lot. So, I mean, the older one would, if he had his way, he'd listen to, you know, modern hip hop from start to finish. And he, 
he says he doesn't like classical music and jazz and tango to him. It's all the same. It's kind of old geezer music. But when we listen to hip hop, we still talk about it musically. Like what is mm-hmm. the story they're telling? What is their flow? Mm-hmm. Um, are they changing up their rhythm? So we're, we're still kind of speaking musicological sort of language around. Mm-hmm. I mean, he loves hip hop. I'm not going to say, no, you have to listen to classical music. I mean, we no. play classical music, but he likes hip hop and he likes basketball. So that's great. And, and also, he likes and you like dubstep. <laughs> oh, I like a, I, yeah. I mean, listen, lately I've been listening to punk music from the 70s and 80s and sort of rediscovering that and being like, wow, that's, I don't know. I, I go through different phases. I, I like a lot of different genres. There's a lot of good and good music and a lot of music I don't like within any genre, you know. But, exactly. Uh, Same for it me. Depends there, on there's, my mood. Not to like keep speaking about Oliver, but there is a lot of nuance to basketball. There's a lot of nuance to hip hop. And so, you know, kudos to him for for following that path and, and uh for you supporting it. And uh to move on, let's segue. Let's get to your music because we have yeah. uh, the whole um, retrospective here. Seven <laughs> chapters. Yeah, so Conjunto Bertin, the first album, we named it Tango for Lovers and Fools. We had uh, the album artwork was done by uh, a local tangero by the name of Bruce Zick, who does a lot of concept art for Disney. So mm-hmm. it was neat because, you know, we have a lot of personalities that kind of went into it. We made a thousand CDs. We sold out of a thousand so nice. I made the maybe in retrospect mistake of making another thousand because right as I made that second batch, um, CDs were starting to sort of decline in sales. And mm-hmm. part of the reason why I'm offering these CD gift bundles now on my <laughs> website is because I was in the basement here in the studio where I keep all the CDs. And I, I have thousands of these CDs that wow. I will never be able to sell because, I mean, Spotify is great. They're great for the artists. They're great for the listener. Um, the royalties are are they have a good setup, I think, for both sides. But here I am stuck with these CDs that will probably never move. And the vinyl is hard to move, too. It's like people well, like the I, idea of vinyl, but a lot of people don't have a turntable. And it's, yeah, it's true. You know, so. But to be honest, I'm really glad you're like bringing this up and right around the holidays. Yes. Because like, it's so hard to give music as a gift anymore. Uh-huh. Unless it's someone with, for me, like who has a record player, because uh-huh. a lot of people stream. So to know that this is an option during this yes. holiday season, it's really cool. I also have one of your CDs, the New York one. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that was the inspiration of putting them up for sale. It's like, well, you have holiday shopping to do. I got thousands of CDs in the basement. <laughs> it works Seems like a good, and, and the beauty of it is like, you don't have to order for yourself because you might not want a CD, but you give a physical CD to someone for the holidays and it's like, it's a gift. And I, I gift wrap it and I made these cool little like bandonion cards that you can personalize. I'll ship it straight to whoever. So it's a really easy process. You'd be doing me a favor of, some I of love these CDs, it. and it's it's uh, and it's deeply discounted. So and he'll slide the refund in the CD. I'll, yeah, whatever so you secretly. Want. <laughs> whatever I need to do to get rid of the CD. <laughs> like well, you sent us some some music. Let's let's give some listeners exposure to it and see which okay. albums they want to uh, they want right. to purchase. What's uh, I have seven songs here. I'm not sure which ones fall on which album. I know one is a live. I want to share this eventually. One is a live uh, yeah. concert you 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 did with Podesta, 
which is right. uh, quite an honor, I'm sure. But yeah. we'll get to that later to keep our le- listeners I- enthralled. Um, okay. Well, let's start with the New York Tango Jam session one. So maybe I'll just give a quick backstory um, to that. Is that so, the Comparsita one? Yeah, the Comparsita. Okay. So with Conjunto team, we released two CDs, Tango for Lovers and Fools and Tango Mente. And then um, so we, we were playing in a style that's called a la parisha, which means um, mm-hmm. it's like an improvised style. There's no real sheet music. There's no arrangements. You just... It's like a like a jam session. You throw and that's like the old the school style, right? Yeah, like pre pre pre, you know, like like early days of mm-hmm. of tango. There really like a lot of it wasn't written down, and and still a lot of it isn't written down. It's it's kind of a transmitted largely through more of an oral tradition uh, than anything mm-hmm. else through the orchestras. But so I was thinking, you know, with that, how do I how do I really up the ala parisia game? And I thought, well, how do I? We're the best tango musicians in the U.S. I was like, well, New York, <laughs> New York is, uh, I don't know, is really blessed to have so many phenomenal tango musicians. So amazing, I, yeah. So I didn't know really a lot of them. I wasn't connected to that community. So I called up um, Hector Pereira, the the singer. He was the first one. You know, I, I forget how I got his number, but I called him and I said, "Hey, I'm I'm doing this album. I'm a bandoneon player from Portland." He's like, uh, "You know," I said, "I've I've seen you at." Um, La Belle Epoque, you know, sing, and I really like how you sing. I'd love you to be on this album. And he, I said, how much would it be? And he said, look, I don't know you, so here's the, the honest scoop. If the album <laughs> sucks and you have crappy musicians, you're going to need to pay me a lot per track because what you're doing is you're, you're dropping my professional reputation down, so I need to be financially compensated for that. But if you have really good musicians... I'll do it basically for free because then you're you're increasing my per- so he was honest and I and I appreciate that so he kind of was like tentative about it and then mm-hmm. I got somehow Pedro Geraldo's number and I called him up I said look I'm doing this project um, I'm gonna fly to New York we have one day a la Parisia um, you know what do you charge he said this and he, he said yeah cool man I'll do it so Pedro was on board. Nice. So then I called Nick Danielson on violin. Oh, phenomenal what violin. a great group. And I, and I told him, I said, hey, Nick, I'm Alex in Portland. I'm doing this album with Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, oh, yeah, I know Pedro. We, we play all the time. I'd love to be on the album. I was like, cool, I got Nick. So then I called Hector, Hector back up. I was like, Hector, I got Pedro and Nick. He's like, well, of course I'll do it. You know, they're phenomenal. So, That's And awesome. then I thought, well... Um, who do I get on piano? I didn't really know any tango pianists um, at the time in New York, but um, I had played with Evan Griffiths a lot and I performed with him over the years. And I just like his, um, his passion for tango and his, he just has something in his piano playing that um, it, it's hard to describe. It's like either you got it or you don't. It's an understanding of, of tango. Even if you're hitting right or wrong, it doesn't matter, but there's an understanding, really a deep understanding of the genre. And I knew Evan mm-hmm. had that. So I flew to New York. I met, so I'd never met Pedro, Nick, or Hector in person, really. So we met in the recording studio, Lowfish Studios in Manhattan. And um, we introduced each other. And I said, look, we're going to record as many songs as we can. We got, you know, 10 hours in the studio here. And we said, okay, first song, boom, let's go. And we just started playing, like not having rehearsed or practiced or meeting each other, no arrangements. 
And uh, we had the good fortune of having a great engineer, John Hopkins, who recorded bands like REM and stuff back in the 90s. And so he was a phenomenal uh, engineer. And we, at 10 hours, we, we recorded this album. And the cool thing with La Cumparcita, that was the last thing that we kind of had time for. I was like, let's do La Cumparcita. Let's just play it kind of minimal and dissonance. It was kind of like, well, whatever, maybe this will work or maybe it doesn't. We don't really have a lot of time. And, you know, I, I do the intro and the result is like, I think pretty, pretty awesome because we are so in sync. It's like when you have a good dance connection with someone, we yeah. had that connection amongst the four musicians and, and, you know, a couple of them were in isolation booths. So we weren't even like next to each other, but we had sight lines wow. and, and, and you'll hear in the song how, I mean, it's really minimal, but when we all come in and really like emphasize and accent a note, we all do it at the same time. And none of that was planned. We didn't know how many times we'd go through each section or when we would end or how we would end. And so that's kind of the story of this Parsita. And it's the one song out of all the albums that I feel like has been sort of played the most at the Milongas for whatever that's worth. I, I think it's a great version. I think the story is cool. So that's awesome. the story of this. That's uh, it's amazing that you'd never even sort of, you're not even played in physical with proximity with, with one another yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to understand that. I mean that's like if th for those listening, that's like having a jam session through Zoom. If you if you could imagine, yeah, right? with people. Like, the, and maybe no, just one more quick anecdote. Anecdote. It's uh, similar to when uh, Julia called me to, to teach at Tango Element. She said, "Look, I have this idea. I want you to partner Melina Bruffman." And I had known about Melina Bruffman, but I'd never met her. She's, and Julia said, "Would you be open to performing with her?" I said, sure, what the heck, you know, <laughs> what, what do I got to lose? Never danced with her before, never met her. And so, uh, I, and so I, I checked some YouTube videos and, and she had the stuff on YouTube was like, um, at least that I found were like these choreographies that were mixing modern dance and tango. And I don't really dance modern dance and I don't really do choreographies. And then someone was saying, you know, she's, she's pretty short. She's like, five, two or something like that. I said, well, no, I, I can dance with short people. No, no, I can dance with, I can dance with Chico. So I can dance with That's Chico. That's like five, two. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a little bit like, okay, you know, at, if, if it goes really poorly, at least we have an out in that, like we had never danced before. So we could always use that excuse. So we went and I think it was the, the Friday night, you know, I meet her and we practice for about half an hour and it, it goes pretty well. And then Saturday we practiced, we had scheduled for like an hour. And then after 20 minutes, she's like, you know, I, I got a private lesson. I think it's going to go really well. I think we're good. And you know, I said, how about this song? You want to do this? She said, whatever, you choose whatever. We'll dance to it. And, and we got out there like in front of, I don't know, four or 500 people. And just totally, I mean, I think to this day, it's one of the best performances like I've ever done. It just... It was pretty cool to just show up and perform with her. So the La Cumparcita and that story about Melina, Melina kind of go, go together. Anyway, great. I'm talking too much. Music time. We like it. <laughs> All right. Music time. Suspense. Thank you. 
Yeah, that was uh and knowing the story behind it, it's unbelievable. It's gotta be I mean that that is a song that obviously we all we all know, they all know inside and out, so it that helps a lot with the the creative freedoms. But still that doesn't make it yeah. uh that's not a given. You yeah, know? I th- yeah, I think the idea of taking sort of a standard and we all know kind of most of the arrangements around it and where certain syncopations happen Mm -hmm. relative to the arrangements. It's like there's this um, sort of knowledge in there. I mean, especially with a song like La Cumparcito or if you took El Choclo, you can really sort of dissect Mm -hmm. it a little bit and do a lot with it. And and I don't think that loses the dancers. If you took an unfamiliar song and did something weird with it, then uh, it would would make a little less sense. Because dancers tend to fill in the gaps. Yeah, they they know right. the song. They know where you are yeah. in the song, and you know we're hitting all the accents that would normally be hit by most of the or- the big orchestral arrangements. You know, so mm-hmm. it's 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 danceable I still. You know, fucking love that there was a solo moment for the upright bass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all just collectively love decided it. to let him have his moment, and he took it like he recognized and, this is my time to shine. <laughs> and he played the bow like right. It was yeah, just yeah, yeah. It's all, and it's all it's all art yeah. though. You know? Yeah, it was it was amazing. And, We've and been for trying those you... to get sorry. 
Oh, I was just going to say for, for for the people that don't know, um, you know, Pedro and, and Nick have, well, Pedro's won a Latin Grammy and, and recently they're on um, Gustavo Casanova's album that just won a Latin Grammy a couple of weeks ago. Well, so you know, Pedro, Pedro was on the show. Hitters. So, you know, you're in good company. That's what we use oh. now to get other people. We're like, hey, would you like to be on our show? We had uh, Pedro. <laughs> we had Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Pedro is such a phenomenal uh, musician and just human being. And I mean, all these people I worked with were just, I mean, th that's the incredible thing through all the seven albums I've recorded that the people that I've worked with and the, and the stories behind these albums, just, I mean, they make me smile. They make me real nostalgic. Just, just thinking about them because they're, they're all so incredibly talented. And I hope, I hope people realize um, the, the talent. I mean, I, I had the good fortune of sort of, cobbling them all together. I'm kind of a good ringleader, but, um, but yeah, these, these people are, are just phenomenal. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, it is a great that story. So good. It's a great story. It's a great rendition of a great song. I want to roll on. What's it's very jazzy. Yes. So it's exciting. Nice. It's so exciting. Well, you have, okay, let's send us three songs with, one. uh, somebody you collaborated with Vicente yeah. El Gut. Yeah. yeah, so what happened after, so we had Conjunto Bertin, two albums, and then I did the New York Tango Jam session, what you just heard. And then I was kind of a little bit done with A La Parisha. I thought, you know what? It's super fun to do, but but there's something more out there. So I started getting into transcriptions, meaning I would, I would take the recording, notate it, give it to the band members, rehearse it. And I started doing some of my own arrangements too for Orchestra Tipica and Sextet and Quartet and stuff. So I started moving in that direction, and the next album was called uh, Stump Tandas, which is all basically transcriptions or, or my original arrangements. And we had just, we were in the recording studio here in Portland at a recording studio called The Map Room. And we had finished recording everything, and we're just listening to it and mixing it down a little bit. And I get a call from, from my buddy who lives in Embudo outside of Albuquerque. Uh, his name is Vicente Griego. His nickname is El Cartucho. Uh, he's kind means... of a heavy hitter, which means like the cartridge, uh, <laughs> the cartridge in the sense of like a, like a shotgun shell, like he's <laughs> kind of like a force of nature. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I thought. Big guy with an enormous voice, an incredible human being. But um, we had done a show in Portland, sort of a flamenco tango fusion show, and it worked really well. We got along. And whenever he comes to Portland, he stays uh, in the back apartment at, at, at the studio because he just likes to have this kind of own space and we hang out and chat and. So anyways, you know, we're in the studio and I get a cell phone call. He says, hey, bro, it's Vicente. I'm, I'm in Portland. Like, what are you up to? You know, we should have a beer, or get a coffee or something. And I said, hey, well, we're, we're at the recording studio. Why don't you stop by? So he shows up with his cajon player, uh, Enrique Chavez. And we're listening to Note Pura's a Cara Blanca. And I, I asked him just on a whim. I said, why don't you throw down some, just improvise some flamenco stuff on top of this song so it's a transcription of Damare's Note Porus Cara Blanca that we recorded and he said sure it sounds great so he got on the mic again no music no lyrics written out and I think he only took like maybe three or four takes and um, so he does this flamenco style just straight over what we had already recorded and I, I think it's I think it's pretty cool it's, it's a it's kind of fusion at its best when it's not engineered at all. It just kind of happened, you know, it was so serendipitous and, uh, and fun. So you get to well, hear this you, now. 
it seems like you tend to improvise a lot. And oh, I love that's the story of my yeah, life. That's yeah, <laughs> trying to prepare myself, but then just be in the moment, you know, so. <laughs> doing arrangements, and then bam, like, why don't you yeah. sing along? Yeah. yeah, well, let's give it a listen. Okay, yeah. So one other thing on, on that album, um, that's when I started working with this local jazz pianist, Andrew Oliver. And Andrew Oliver and I, since basically just before recording that Stumptando's album, um, he's like my musical, one of my musical brothers here in, in, in Portland. He's been with me on piano uh, ever since. We've composed a whole CD together. We've arranged stuff together. We get in the studio and eat by me and listen to recordings and figure out subtleties and he's really um i i guess necessary for me on on a on a musical level these days mm -hmm. he's really help helping to sort of captain that ship so to speak and and we kind of inspire each other so it's so important to have these people in our lives as artists i feel yeah. uh, like to come out of our own head too like and I don't know. I find that Adam is one of those sources for me. And I feel like it drives me through the moments where I feel like I might get stuck for a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like we get stuck for... <laughs> yeah, moments... <laughs> moments that we might get stuck or... Uh... 
<laughs> Adam <laughs> applauses when he hears his name. <laughs> yeah, like moments that we get stuck or moments that we might feel sort of like, I don't know, like, let's say artistically alone, you know, I mean, I was just going to say alone. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. granted, I've, I've worked with great people, but it's nice to have someone sort of right there sort of on, on the same um, in this moving in the same artistic direction, you know, I, mm -hmm. I guess. And, and to have good just um, personal chemistry with. And so, um, yeah, Andrew's. Well, why don't we play that. a sample? You have Cape Hueva La Lluvia with Andrew Oliver okay, let's play, and Megan Yvonne on vocals. Yeah, let's play. Let's play Bohemio first. Which because, one? Um, so, so uh, Bo Bohemio. Bohemia. I have two. Uh, not the EO um, remix. That's the dubstep remix. <laughs> that same song. Okay. Okay. I got you. I got. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, fast forward a couple of years from the Stump Tandas, and I wanted Vicente on the album, so he sings on it. Andrew Oliver and I compose this bulk of music. This is the vinyl LP. Um, the group's name is What the Tango, for lack, lack of a better name. But um, anyways, we compose all that. Uh, Megan Yvonne compose uh, the lyrics to it. And it's definitely a fusion album. We have a percussionist, local percussionist, Jesse Brooks, who's phenomenal and really just uh, tasteful and also very melodic in his percussion playing. So he's really, whatever he's doing on his drum set is very relative to what's going on in the melody. He doesn't just kind of pound away on the drum. So another incredibly sensitive musician. And then also on this track, Bohemio. So <clears throat> my mom's friend in, uh, I, I grew up south of the Bay Area. Her son, his name is Hafez Modir Zadeh. He now teaches world music at uh, San Francisco State University. So I was like, what other cool people do I know that I can bring in on this album? He's a saxophonist, a really great jazz saxophonist. And knows a ton about world music and he's, Persian and so he's he studied a lot of like Persian music which has a lot of quarter tone stuff like stuff that's mm, in between yes. you know the notes and so I, I sent him this track that we had recorded and Vicente sang over the top and uh, just told my buddy Hafez hey just do whatever you want in moments and so his saxophone playing is just it's super cool and if you hear like right at the end of the song you'll hear a lot of those quarter tone things which um sound just like the song was meant to have those in them you know so that was another cool artistic collaboration from the son of a friend of my mom's growing up so i have my mom to thank for that and my mom's friend and i don't know it culminated in, in this song so definitely like straying from the traditional tango genre now for sure sounds great that's, that's it's great how that all came together um yeah let's give it a listen all right
mis brazos solo esta vez, recordando el aliento de niñez. Paso a pasito palpitarán los corazones encendidos. Solo en sueño puedes ir, me darás tu mano sin yo pedir. Es castigo, sé poemio, sé que no vas con tu vivir. Through all the albums, um, you know, I've, I've always, I've always strived to make stuff tango danceable. So, through all seven of them, that's kind of been my my journey. Is you know, initially just making music for dancing in a fun way, and then sort of the last three albums or so, trying to see like what's next, sort of what's uh -huh. out there, original composition, maybe some fusion. Let's try it out, see if it sticks. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Um, just kind of, you know, an experiment and people can love it. People can hate it. People can whatever, you know, but whatever. I, can I do both? Yeah. I wanted to put that out there and <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really love that album. I mean, you know, I'm not going to play it in, in the height of a traditional milonga, mm -hmm. you know, a festival, but for an alternative milonga or, or late at night, I, you know, or even not to dance to just to put on the record player and, and listen to, I think that album is I mean, we right. worked hard on, on everything from the compositions to the arrangements to the quality of the recording and mixing, going through the whole process then of making vinyl. After you mix the CD and master it, you have to get it vinyl mastered. So you have to take it to a different person who futzes with it a little bit in order to make it sound good on a record. Uh, and there's and one guy in Portland that converted his garage and all he does is vinyl mastering. It's like the Steve Jobs so of it. vinyl mastering. <laughs> yeah it's just one there's like one guy here i mean there are other people in the u.s yeah. obviously that do it but this one guy here is really um well known and does a good job and, and then you get what's called the dub plate or the master and then you send that to the uh to the press i think we use rainbow records uh out of the bay area and, and had 500 of them cut 
And then we also got a digital download card because a lot of people don't have the vinyl. And and then we also had a comic book that we I love uh, that. I'm so illustrated. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of explains sort of the concept of the album of, you know, what does it mean to to push boundaries, to do fusion? Um, can we all get along in the end? Does it have to be traditionalist <laughs> versus progressives or like does it really matter anyway so so it's all done in comic book form which is just kind of yeah just makes it a little more light it's the never-ending uh questions of tango community well i think over the years we've gotten used to the music quality sounding better I, I think a lot of dancers are used to music that's and you kind of have yeah. to squint your ears and be like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a Fresedo from the 40s. Um, your favorite, Alex, of course. And, yeah. <laughs> and then if you hear we'll like a modern, about but if you hear a true. good orchestra recorded today that does a similar song, a lot of people are like, oh, it doesn't sound quite the same. I find myself noticing now that I'm not listening to tango every night, like the golden age that when I hear it sometimes now I'm like, this sounds like shit. <laughs> like the quality well, it's the quality a, sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's a conundrum because modern tango musicians who are trying to make danceable music, like basically our standard is the best tango orchestras of all time on the planet. Right. So mm -hmm. we're at a severe disadvantage because you can't really make a, a living being a tango musician. It's really anyone that does that is really doing it as a labor of love. I mean, you play at a mm. milonga, you make a hundred bucks, you play once a week, that's $400 a month, you know, and all this time you've poured into whatever, finding the musicians and the arrangements. It doesn't pan out financially to be a tango musician. So, I mean, even if my kids, if my kids wanted to be a tango musician, I'd be like, if that's your passion, then, then definitely do it. But in the back of my mind as a parent, I would be sort of, don't call me for any that's, loans, man. That's, 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 that's all they did. But I would still be supportive. I'm not um, a handout. I so, no handout. So, so, yeah. And then the tango, of course, tango orchestras in the golden age, they're at the, the sort of techno technological disadvantage of not being recorded in, in hi-fi, you know, up until a certain time, you know, after 1952 mm -hmm. or 54 or so. Yeah. So, yeah, it's this grand. Well, well that's what we're comparing our ears conundrum. to. It's like. This yeah. sound over everything, and I know from my own experience, many years ago when I heard a contemporary version of a tango, an old tango, I was like, "Well, it's good, but it's missing something." It's like, "Oh, it's layers of shit." That's what it's missing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, also, I mean, what it might be missing is, you know, back in the day, those orchestras would rehearse every day and have multiple gigs every night, and when yeah, you, and when so you have a, a, a group of musicians. So and you're doing that like eight hours a day for decades, you're going to get really yeah. good at it. As a tango musician, modern tango musician, you don't have and that. And you know what? You can't play that's tango why, eight hours a day. That's why I think after so many years in such bad quality recordings, we can find that. We can hear it in that music. That's why it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's stood the test of time. Yeah. Yeah. They were doing mm -hmm. something right. You know, the fact that we still tolerate the poor recording quality. I mean... The, the bands must have sounded that awesome. That Amazing. Awesome, and know? with yeah. the amount of improvisation they did as well. Yeah. Or together. interpretation. Like yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I like working with Emiliano Messias a lot on like uh, music theory and stuff. And like, he'll be like, not that it will go over different songs and it'll be like, most of this was probably not written. And to get like four bandoneons to do that at the same time in the same way that these guys are doing, it means they just like played with each other for years and rehearse a lot, the yeah. practice a lot. Yeah. yeah, and definitely like the Orquesta Escuela in, in Buenos Aires, like mm -hmm. a lot of tango musicians, they really talk about this is really like transmitted orally because you can give someone all the right notes and they play the right notes and it, it doesn't sound mm -hmm. right. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like you have to be steeped in the genre and you either have to rehearse a lot or be on the same page in terms of timing, subtleties, articulation, you know, how you hold the bow or how you do this or that, that you can't, you can't express that on a piece of paper. Which mm -hmm. I mean, you know, sheet music is not is not music, right? It's a it's a piece of paper, and so what you're trying to pull knowledge of a genre from a piece of paper. Well, the, pa mm -hmm. the paper is like a representation. Like if I if you had never had a cup of water before, I could explain to you all day like what the experience of drinking water is, but you still wouldn't know until you. No, I love yeah, it. It's like water. learning tango yeah. steps by watching a video, but never actually have danced. I love what you just said. Yeah. This is a, a partner this is a or like Pineta Milonga. <laughs> yeah, and and like when I was in what Serbia, did you say, I, I was just saying I love Sorry. the way Alex just said that. This is a, this is a piece of paper. This isn't music. <laughs> yeah, sheet music is not music. And and when I was in um, Serbia, I was studying with some uh, Roma musicians there from my my brass band, and they say if you read. If you if you're a musician and you read from sheet music, the music won't have soul. Mm. So none of the Roma or, or Gypsy musicians in that part of the world, none of them can read music, nor do they have any interest in reading music because they think it it kills the music. And mm. and there's a lot of truth to that. You know, the the sheet music can get you to a certain point, like okay, we're playing in D minor. You know, this is the harmony you're going to play. But at a certain point, you you have to let go of that. You have to be like, okay, I we, we have the roadmap. Now we need to. Now we need to sort of throw away the roadmap, so to speak, and and focus on making music rather than reading notes. And um, again, it's 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 not easy to do that when you have a larger orchestra, you have limited rehearsal mm -hmm. time. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Well, Alex. So I, um, yes, chicos. I think we have time to maybe play two more songs. Um, okay. Before we call on Mauro, Mau who's already with Mau. us. Mauro, hola. Hello, hey. guys. Hey. How you doing? Hey, Mauro. <laughs> I did not know that I was unmute. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite guest. Thank God I... My favorite guest. Yeah, thank God I didn't thank fart, man. I was just going to say the same thing. You read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna check it out. I hope you don't mind uh, waiting with us okay. a little longer. You okay so, with that, Mauro? Yeah, 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 I'm fine. No okay, problem. okay cool. so, so two more songs. So if you want to do the Chacarera, so um, Andrew Oliver and I put out this one album. It's all original compositions, tango, bilonga, valses, um, and Chacareras. We actually composed original Chacareras because we wanted to figure out like what what is this genre all about. And in the spirit of sort of that improvisation we recorded it at a time when maria volonte was on tour a fantastic singer um 
And I said, hey, do you want to write lyrics to this Chacarera? And she said, I would love to. And she has a, she has a really soulful voice that, again, something that sheet music could definitely not transmit. But, but she's singing on this. And uh, you get to hear me yell, Chacarera Primera and Segunda, which is uh, kind of cringy and embarrassing for me. But, but anyways, this is our original Chacarera that Andrew Oliver and I composed and Maria Volante is singing on. All right, cool. Chacarera Primera! to listen to during COVID. Mauro, did that wake you up? Oh, my God. I, I'm, I'm really sad now. I want to be in the Milonga. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I mean, you can't dance. You can dance Chacarera alone, but it's just not fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's worse than dancing tango alone. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. <laughs> Are you sure you're really energized? Now I'm lost in thought. 
<laughs> I'm thinking about the world in a whole different way. Like Chacarera alone, Tango alone. You're right. Because in you know in tango we only look in the mirror when we dance, but in chacarera we look at the other person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Remember, there was a joke or something you wanted to do at the beginning, and you decided not to because it wasn't funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that sort of check more often. <laughs> hey man, I gotta I gotta keep trying. Getting some love. Getting some love. <laughs> so, Maro, I heard yes. you get up at 5.30 in the morning every day. 5.15. What time do you go to bed at? Mm, I don't know. I, I'm going to bed and I watch some movie or TV show and I fall asleep. I don't know. Depends how hard it was the day. I can fall asleep between. So where your movie or TV show tonight? You could fall uh, asleep on us. No, no, I won't fall asleep. Well, Carol, <laughs> okay, good. just so you know, Carol fell asleep two weeks ago while she was on the phone with us. And Alex, no I just way. want to share with you. <laughs> James fell asleep once. Well, yeah, that's to be expected. Kidding, right? But um, Alex, <laughs> Rebecca yes. Shulman is texting me saying that her and her daughter and another friend of theirs got off the couch to dance Chacarera to your music. Oh, that's they're sweet. listening, nice. and that means a lot. Another lot of great collaborations and dances and chats and performances that I've done with Rebecca over the year, and I'm I'm grateful for her, um, well, just being and offering what who she is to uh, to Tango. So, hello, Rebecca, and. I've been watching the, seeing the pictures you've been posting on Facebook of your adventures mm -hmm. and <laughs> sending, sending my warm wishes. I, I, She's I, in Montana. I, I, and I think, I don't know and I think it's brilliant yeah. that she took Jamie out there for this during this time. Like, That's just get awesome. out of the city, yeah. you know, enjoy your yeah. life with your daughter and experience somewhere else because yeah. being cooped up in the East Village right now would. Not be a great experience for a twelve-year-old. Yeah. Actually, no. actually, actually, Rebecca and I were supposed to teach and perform at the at a festival in Montana, and then she called me. She said, in in February, she called me and said, "Do you think this festival is going to happen? Because I don't know this coronavirus thing." <laughs> I was like, "Well, I don't know. Let's wait and see. You don't you know cancel your ticket quite yet?" And so, so she's so in. So she Montana. didn't cancel the ticket. <laughs> she to go to Montana. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Alex. She yeah. turned her return tickets to a ticket for Jamie. You owe her. Um, so now I know the real story. You need to send her a return ticket back to New York, Alex. She's stuck in Montana. Those are photos of desperation photos. She's like, get me out of here. She went to Montana and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, Alex, we're going to play your collaboration with Podesta before we let you go. Yeah. So what quick, yeah, quick anecdote on that. I'll try to keep it short. But um, again, Julia at the Tango Element Festival, she said, um, and I think it was kind of Oliver Coker that was 
making this sort of happen uh, behind the scenes. But you know, she said, do you want to, you know, I'll fly your band out to Baltimore and we'll fly Alberto Podesta from Buenos Aires and you'll play with them. And I, I was like, you, you know, oh. twist my arm to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, again, I'd never met him in person. And uh, so I watched a bunch of YouTube videos of his sort of recent performances and we got the arrangements from Argentina. They're all handwritten, um, rehearsed wow. them with the band, checked it in with the YouTube videos of what he was doing against those arrangements. <laughs> so we really kind of did our homework. We're like, we can't mm -hmm. mess this one up. This is like once in a lifetime. And again, we showed up and, and we played, um, I don't know, five or six songs. Um, we met him the, the night before, had one one hour rehearsal, and then the next day performed in front of 500 people and everyone was sitting down watching like no one wanted to dance because here's this you know legend and put a star yeah but uh, the... there and I, I think after that he he passed away yeah. uh, two years later so that was his last at least u.s and so for uh, the... he did it i think a few more in Some argentina but few of our listeners who may not know we're talking about alberto podesta who sang with carlos de sarli's orchestra he sang with de sarli with mm -hmm. lawrence and with Calo. Yeah, yes um, yeah, and this um, he started. Yeah, I mean, one at of the sixteen years old, of... singing with Desarly, something crazy like this. Seventeen. Desarly came last, so um, no, no, no. He first. He started with Desarly. He. Oh, battle of the Wait, uh, well, professionals. Uh, I, 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 I <laughs> no. with, with with Kello. He was he was with Kello, and he then he was with uh, Kello, yeah. And then, and then Desarli called him, and um, there, there were two things. One is Rufino was singing with Desarli right, at the right. time. And so Alberto Podesta said, like, how am I going to stand? How am I going to sing next to this guy? Rufino was, like, larger right. than life. And he said, he said mm -hmm. you're just going to have to sing your best. And then also at the time, um, Alberto Podesta told me there was another singer with the same last name. There was another singer that had the last name Podesta. And he came to Desarli and said, you know, People are going to confuse us because I'm Podesta, is Podesta. And Desarly told him, well, you're going to have to be the Podesta. <laughs> you're going to have to sing that good that you wipe the other guy out of history, which is what happened. No one has heard he of the Podesta singer. I don't, I don't know if there are any recordings, but he, he, uh, he lived, up hmm. to, lived up to that. So we had the good fortune to back him up. We had the arrangements. I thought it went well. Um, it's amazing he sang until the end of his life. It's really yeah. like amazing. Yeah, yeah. Even though his voice and you can hear in the recording is a little bit kind of frail, but he's, he still had all the sort of passion and so vigor. The recordings uh, he did with Lorenz were before with this early. Uh, I know with uh, Calo, it was definitely. I think this early came came last because um, he was so young with this early. Uh, I'm not sure how, I mean, I know he started singing with orchestras, at, but he started super young. I mean, he was one of these, like he hit puberty and started singing with the best <laughs> tango orchestras. I don't know how, how that came to be, but I know that they suddenly found him because he was already singing with okay. other orchestras. Maybe I'm thinking of Rufino. Rufino was, maybe it was Rufino who was like 17 when he was working with the Sarli. Yeah, I'm not sure really of the timeline. And also, um, Podesta yeah. told me that the famous part in Alma de Bohemio by Pedro Lawrence, where, you know, he holds that one long note, the famous part in, in that song, 
that that was also not planned, that they were in the recording studio and uh, he sang this note and he was supposed to just sing it for you know a beat or two and he just kept singing it and the orchestra waited for him. And that was not planned and it was not written out. And he says that like after he did that and the recording came out, everyone that sang that song afterwards always held that note long. <laughs> so he kind of defined this uh, moment. And it's definitely, you know, as a dancer, it's like that song comes on, you're like, that's, what are we going to do during that? You know, we're just waiting for that held mm-hmm. note. That's kind of the special part of that. So again, in the spirit of uh, improvisation, I thought that was so, kind of a cool so- story. In the background, there's also, it's amazing that we have so many Tango professionals listening to the show right now, too. Rebecca is texting us saying, yes, it was Rufuno that sang with Disarly at 17. Dan in the background here is confirming it was Rufino at 17. <laughs> the reason why I got confused. We don't need Wikipedia. Hold on, Chico. The reason I got confused. He also was with Francini Pontier. That was later. That was after Disarly. But the reason I was yeah. confused is because I heard a story from Horacio who said that one night Rufino refused to come out and sing Corazon. And Desali was like, you know, Alberto, you have to come out and sing this song. And Alberto was like, no, this isn't my song. And eventually he had to come out. And right before he went out, Rufino came back and said, no, no, I'll do it. And so I guess I got it flipped in my head because it just made it sound like Alberto was a very young, sweet man. <laughs> and Rufino was a dick. But I guess Rufino was just a young dick. <laughs> like, who just treated this older singer. Not that he was probably that much older, but yeah, I, I'm twisting the yeah, story, think- twisted the history in my head. Yeah. So yeah, this song uh, that I sent to is Que Falta Que Me Haces. Um, this is my um, my band from Portland backing up uh, Alberto Podestad, the Tango Element Festival, I believe in 2013 or somewhere around then. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's hear it out. All right. <laughs> No está, te busco y ya no está. Espina de la espera que te diga más y más. Quitar tu nombre enamorado, desear tu labio despintado como luego de besarlo. No está. Te busco y ya no está, que largas son las horas, ahora que no está. Qué ganas de encontrarte después de tantas noches, qué ganas de abrazarte, qué falta que me hace. Si vieras qué ternura que tengo para darte, capaz de hacer un mundo y dártelo después. Y entonces si te encuentro seremos nuevamente, desesperadamente, los dos para los dos.
encontrarte después de tantas noches Qué ganas de abrazarte, qué falta que me hace Si viera qué ternura que tengo para darte Capaz de hacer un mundo y dártelo después Y entonces si te encuentro seremos nuevamente Desesperadamente Los dos para los dos Que falta que me hace. Gracias. Oh, I'm nostalgic. Amazing. Wow. Marcella, I had goosebumps. That was nice. Yeah. So many amazing people. Also, hi to James. Boy, I haven't seen James in, in ages. Last time was at a Seattle Tango Fest years ago. So hope you're doing well, James. And Bocha's here. I don't know. If you're ever in yeah. Portland, give me a ring. Hang out. We haven't seen James in a long time either, but uh, we've been... Luckily, hearing him often. Actually, the last time I saw him was on Facebook doing 25 push-ups, <laughs> some push-up challenge. <laughs> like, like, all right, he's been taking care of himself during COVID. That's he was cool. drunk when he did that. <laughs> I tried that on the podcast live. I almost you did. You did do it. It wasn't on video, but it was on the podcast. I did do it. I was witness. I was and there. And then you told me it was the weirdest push-ups you've ever seen. <laughs> And she was really pumped after that. Welcome. She wanted to punch somebody. I, I punched Adam a few times after that. What's up, guys? Alex, it's been an honor to like go through your stories and to hear everything that you've done over the last yeah. 18 years with tango music. It's so inspiring. We look forward to more. And I congratulate, and we definitely look forward to more. Thanks. Yeah, and I hope you for, sell uh, a lot of Christmas Allowing games. this CDs. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for yes. providing this platform for me to <laughs> wax on about, about myself. And uh, I, I think a lot of these CDs, maybe some people just didn't know a lot of the stories and artists behind them. And I think that's kind of the, the interesting thing, you know, to know about and that I've had the good fortune to, to um, bring in a lot of great, surround myself with great, you know, musicians and artists and engineers and to put these, put these albums out. So thanks for providing a platform that I can talk about. Our pleasure. Our yes, pleasure. it was our yeah. pleasure. So I'm going to um, just turn off the call, but I will still be listening. I got to, I got to get home, but I will still be listening in. So. All right, man. All right. Come on, Alex, you are not thanks going to show it. us some, some crazy Exercise in front of the mirror now. <laughs> well, About since it's walking? a podcast, I'll tell you, I'm going to do 200 push ups right here. Ready? <laughs> uh, all right, Alex. Take care, you. guys. Thank Big hug to you all. Yeah. All right. Bye. Take care, man. Yeah. Mauro Peralta. Mauro Peralta. Yeah. How are you doing, Marcelo? Como va, viejo? Where are you, man? 
Ahora, Oh, Gal, Gal. Eh, Martelo. I thought I'd get right to it. You got it. <laughs> that's our that's Did our theme song Marcelo? for our for our special guests. Five questions. Cinco preguntas. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I guess. <laughs> He's in San Luis. You know, guys, San Luis is one of the nicest uh, provincias in Buenos Aires. Clean. The thing works. No, um, San Luis, Missouri, United States. Más de Missouri. In Missouri, <laughs> in you're in Missouri. Aires. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> no, I was, before this, I was in Austin, and I recently I moved back to San Luis. Um, well, then the COVID arrived, and now Are life is Are you happy to be back in St. Louis during the pandemic, no. or would you have preferred to be in Austin during the pandemic? Well, um, with this new style of life, might be better to be in Austin because it is more like uh, outdoor activity, mm -hmm. and there is not any more uh, currently is no tango. So yeah. I would rather to be in there. So for for the dog, for Mochi, it would be much better. Mochi! That's the, such a great name for your what dog. What kind of dog is it? I love it. <laughs> it's, it's a, a mixed Sharpe. He looks like a miniature uh, Grey Dane. Wow. It's not really miniature <laughs> because he is 90 pounds, but for, for a Grey Dane, he's a tiny dog. Yeah. He's yes, only exactly. nine, 16 pounds lighter than me. Really? Yeah. You are light. Wow. <laughs> I lost some weight. <laughs> but that's, she's just talking about her Kulu, man. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. I see. <laughs> so, Mato, welcome. All right. I still remember. This, yeah. Some Thank you. Amazing moments we shared. One of which was us shooting the gun in my uh -huh. living room in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. oh my god, I don't remember. Someone that. from some some person on your Facebook uh, was complaining about us uh, well, with the gun. These liberals, they, they you know. <laughs> and then our our time in St. Louis with the Ampanadas. No, in Kansas. Yes, that was in Kansas City, mm. Adam. Was in Kansas City. Same fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. It was in Brennan's house. We we were yeah, Brennan's house. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna make so the here best is, here empanadas. Is here is what the happens. secret ingredient no, is the eggs. Even... Fuck! Yeah, I forgot the eggs. <laughs> Weren't they good or not? They were good. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they were, were still good. good. Yeah. Well, here is the story. I want to tell it a little better. That okay. <laughs> Mara was pissed at someone doing empanadas, meat empanadas, without eggs, and he was like, "You can't have meat empanadas without egg. That's not an empanada." And he was bitching about it, and he's like, "I'm gonna make the best empanadas tonight." So we went shopped for all the ingredients. He boiled like a dozen of eggs mm -hmm. and yeah, then yeah. we were all in the kitchen and like 
watching him go through the whole process. Then he put everything in the oven. Half an hour later, he, we hear him go, fuck. We're like, what? <laughs> he comes out with the dozen of eggs boiled, still sitting on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> That's fuck I ever heard. He, he forgot to <laughs> forgot to add the fuck. <laughs> and that is when you need to learn that you cannot cook empanadas when you smoke wheat. Yeah, actually, he was wearing a. They can't believe it. The whole point was to prove how the empanadas were much better with the hard-boiled eggs. And <laughs> exactly. He was actually exactly. wearing a fur jacket. Remember that thing you were wearing? Oh yeah. Yeah, I do remember. I have a picture. We I think were. I, I have a picture us. with Chico or with Chico. I don't Marita. remember this. No, it was a I picture of Maru and I. And I don't know what I was wearing. Probably nothing as usual, but he was wearing a fur jacket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't remember whose jacket was. I don't remember what he was wearing was that a... day, but I do have a photo of him wearing sports shorts with black knee high socks and tango shoes on the ground. Bright white. Oh my god. What the I have some blackmail material, my mm. friend. Oh my lord. Mauro, what the hell, man? <laughs> I know, I know, man. But where was that? In Denver? In Portland? That was in my house at the loft in Newark. And I think oh you were wearing a, no, no, you no, were no. wearing your suit jacket too on top of it. Yes, no, that's it. awful. I can't believe that you have that picture. Oh my god! <laughs> Please don't share. So that fuck that he was saying about forgetting the eggs, I recorded that yeah. at Kansas. So that's your ringtone, Maro. If you ever call me, really? can you play it? You recorded yeah. it. Oh no, you're on the I phone. I recorded it. it. I can't play it, but it goes fuck, fuck. <laughs> and of course, I'm I laughing. want to hear that. <laughs> you have to call. I'm gonna, me. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna call you more often just to make you laugh. Yes, I'm gonna, do. I'm gonna call Hang you up, yeah, yeah. just to make you laugh. Like. <laughs> Perfect. Whenever you're pissed at someone, please call me. I'll know okay. that you're pissed, and you know maybe Sounds I'll go back. So you are, uh, because we need to understand, we need to clarify for the people that they are listening, right? In Argentina, when we have, according to the region of Argentina, you have different kind of empanadas process, yes, process. Yes. and every region is really elementable. What is a real empanada, right? It is not the same. You go to the Tucumán, they will discuss with the Argentine, Buenos Aires empanada, and this is like that. So from where are you, <laughs> uh, Mauro, because... The eggs, I think, is in the north, right? From from Tucumán. I think from, so. There. I think so. Yes, because there are some uh, regions that are without the eggs, and maybe with the raisins. Yeah, the raisin. Yeah, with the that is the north. That's in Tucumán. Buenos Aires empanada is has the olives. No mm. eggs and no 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 reason is olives. So for when I was listening to that eggs, what the what kind of empanada is that? No but I eggs. Remember that I they, love oh. eggs in the empanada. So and some of work, them are with potatoes too. I love this that. is awesome. This is I with think potatoes that, are not. I think that is from um, uh, the potatoes. One are the is in the north. It's not that like Salta. Salta, I think has.
maybe it's Salta. The, the ones from Salta are the ones that are pretty tiny. They are smaller, I think. And really juicy. Mm, because they have yes. the potato, yeah. I think is isn't uh, Omar and Vidala they are are from Salta? Yes, they are. So guys, well, I'm going to made. have a little I'm going to do the delivery for empanadas now. I, <laughs> I was just second. gonna say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go for I'm not kidding. I'm going to <laughs> deliver I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm craving for empanadas now. Where is Rukia? Where is Rukia when we need her? I know. Can you send some my direction too, Marcelo, when you order? Get some delivered here as well. Well, actually, now with all the people doing delivery, it could be a good business to start an empanada business. You know? One would think. Especially there. In however, there's only one person in the greater New York region who sells empanadas. And I'm telling you, she ain't a fucking millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> but then I <laughs> she does make the best Rukia. empanadas I ever. The had. woman that Marcelo Who? mentioned, her name is Rukia. It ah, is... yes, I met her. Mm -hmm. It she is, is a, the best is empanadas, Maro. Are yes. they good? So mm -hmm. good. Really? Yes, the best. Wow. Yeah. I would like After... to try. I think I had like she made me dinner once, and it was pretty good. I I would like to try. The if after like getting used to her empanadas because of her being at Milonga so often especially like in the last two years I think uh, mm -hmm. last time we were in Argentina I did not like empanadas as much what I feel spoiled oh, really? now yes yeah. yes yeah the difference I think I think the difference is that the uh, Rukia everything that she in the, her empanadas are homemade even the dough because mm -hmm. the dough is a special way to do it, right? So here yeah. you need to find this empanada place where they do the dough uh, homemade. Yeah. Uh, that is, I think, why you don't like them because the dough is what Rukia does is amazing with the dough. So and the I only way like to compete. The size of her empanadas. Yeah. Damn it! Don't stop true. talking about this. I want to go. This <laughs> well, thank you for being here, Mauro. Uh, it's time to go now. We're going to go eat Rukia's empanadas while you go fuck yourself in Kansas City or wherever the hell you are. <laughs> Chico. Mochi, Mochi is looking at me like he's saying, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? He's trying to sleep. <laughs> so, Chico, Mauro, yes. you're here for our five question segment. Five questions. Fuck the shit. What is empanada? Five questions. What's empanada? <laughs> Where's the empanada? Five questions. Not here. Five questions. So, do we have a question for Mauro? Okay, I'm yes. ready to ask the first All question. Right. Yes. Okay, okay. When I'm did you now. When did you last cook empanadas? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> that was probably a long time ago. I don't really? know. Yes, yes. Because you it's still like, cook you know a what lot? happened? Yeah, yeah, but the thing is like if you start cooking a lot of empanadas and all that things, you get chubby very quick, eh? <laughs> so it's not chubby, my friend. I, I, we don't call it sorry. we we call it sexy toot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we as in, uh, I, I think too much work. Yeah. 
I, probably it's a few years. Like, let me think. I, I never made any empanadas in Austin, and I was there for three years. Wow. So That's something for sure. Because uh, you also love cooking, no? Yes, I, I do cook. I yeah. cook all the time, but not empanadas. Also because uh, um, one of the reasons why... Ah, no, you know what? I cook recently. Last year here, I think, in San Luis, but very uh, a little amount. But the thing is this, is like most likely you have to buy the dough frozen. I don't mm. have time to make my own dough. Mm. I would like to try that. Um, because it's frozen, uh, usually it doesn't uh, glue nicely. Um, and it dries and out too much. We tried recently no. with Adam. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't but, but we also did decide that like it wasn't the right kind of dough, even though it did say for empanadas on it. Yeah. Which anyway. one? By the buy? Uh, the photos is it photos? I think it was something like this. Yeah, it was for baking instead of frying, but I think uh -huh. the frying dough works better in the oven. Yeah, something to, to, right. to really check on that. It is the hojaldre, normally, uh, mm -hmm. oven, and fried. So that is... Oh, my Lord. Way. I'm really... I, I'm choosing the bananas, guys. <laughs> I must, I, Are I you ordering a bananas right I'm now? I'm choosing which one do I want. I am uh, ordering a banana right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Adam, Kia, you're on. Second question. Kia moved to Texas, oh, so I'm ordering a plane ticket right now. <laughs> did she move to, oh i'm Rukia. sorry guys she did yeah she got it i think where where the somewhere she left new york she got a job somewhere maybe it was texas maybe it was she portland did. i, I don't actually know. i forget but it was somewhere i think it was actually maybe no i, I think it was portland anyway i did not Mauro. that second question yes. is Mauro your real name ask <laughs> um, it is not. Yes. <laughs> yes, not. Adam, you nailed it. Crushed it. My real name is uh, Clementine. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, how I did thought you it was, take on the stage I thought it was name. tangerine, but hey, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so what age did you start dancing, Mauro, and how did you get And started? why is your stage name Clementine? <laughs> oh, my God. It's like no questions and suddenly all together, like five oh, questions. One question. <laughs> well, our five-question concept is a little in the air. Okay. We count 1.1, okay, 1.2. One in a bit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the year was 1998. Whoa, that's the year I moved to the U.S. That was the year and... That's the year I lost my virginity. Uh, oh, my God. You know what? There is a story with the empanadas behind the how I start dancing tango. No. Uh, this is <laughs> I love it. This Everybody who's like, going to listen now, I will listen to the podcast. We love empanadas now. <laughs> 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 so... um. 
was probably like the first attempt was probably January of 1998 because my mother was going to take tango classes like relatively close to my house, probably like half an hour. And she would go every Monday at night, at not night, evening. Um, Monday was the night that we would pre-made a lot of empanadas, probably over a hundred empanadas to then freeze them and have for, uh, for, the, for the week. To, to have frozen empanadas. And so whenever you need to eat something, you have empanadas on the, on the freezer. Um, and I would say, ask her, okay, you help me with empanadas and I'll go to the tango class with you. And she would help me every single time. And after the empanadas were done, I would say, okay, you know what? I don't think I want to go to the tango class. <laughs> And it was like that for a very long time, probably a few months, until like I finally went to the first tango class, and immediately I, I just stick with the tango. But part of the reason was because the, the teacher was really young, a couple of years older than me, and actually she became our, my girlfriend. Wow, wow, wow. Six months of taking classes. And there were also some young people in the class, uh, like around my age. Did you pick up your student? Shame. No, no, I, I was no, the, he's a, I student was a student too. I was a student. Oh, I'm sorry. Marcelo, you're dreaming about empanadas. <laughs> you're missing out. Yeah. <laughs> True. And... Yeah. Oh. Um, I remember that one of my favorite first orchestras were the Sarli. Actually, the first orchestra, because I, it's the only CD that I had, was Al Alberto Di Paolo, and I liked that one. But then I hear the Sarli in the class, because normally that's what the teacher were playing. And I really liked the Sarli. And of course, then keep evolving through the years, even through that same year at the moment that I hear Pugliese, I love it. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit lost with the question now because it so was so how many. Long, how long did it long take you to learn you how to cook empanadas? No, that was oh, oh, Okay, sorry. I thought that you were going to ask how long did it take I, I, you to I, learn to I dance I, well, I still I don't know how to dance. No, 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 no. <laughs> I am going to ask how long from the beginning how much longer after you started was the first time you went to a milonga? Oh my God, that was the worst way of asking that. Yeah, question. you should have stuck with the empanada oh, question. Hi, Carol. Hey, hi, I Carol. Hi, Mauro. Do hi. you remember when we met? When that would have been? Because I met you in Argentina, no? Do you know uh, who Carol is? I think Mauro? it was in the year. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Uh, I, I I think it was in the year 2003 or 2004. Holy Something shit. Like that, yeah. I, and it probably it was in the uh, Milonga Tangeriles. I don't remember. I don't remember if it was in Wasn't the Milonga, the Milonga that class? was in a class? I don't remember. 
I think it was it wasn't through Mariana, Mariana Dragone. You guys are taking Very up all awesome. of our questions. There's only five know. questions allowed right now, and you've already asked each other like 17. Carol, <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. how are you? How have you been? Yes. I'm good. I'm good. How yeah, are you guys? Two more questions. Fuck. Good, good. <laughs> nice to hear your voice. No, we have Carol. a lot more than two. Oh, um, hello. Mauro, you lived in Montreal hello. for a time, yes? Uh, yes, I was there for about nice. a year. Already more like... 10 months. How was your That was your transition into the US. You first well, moved the, to the North America. Canada. Come on, North America. Come on. It's not the US. It's Canada. <laughs> Got to be careful. Yeah, so I I I moved to to Montreal in 2009. I was there until the end of 2009. I actually traveled from Montreal to New York on 31st of December. Yeah, it was like Christmas time, yeah, I remember. Yeah. And so I it's, I I didn't respond yet to the uh, question. Milonga that, question. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I so know. the first milonga <laughs> probably was uh, I don't know during that same year 1998 but was a milonga so um in the city where I was learning, that was Florencio Varela. Florencio mm. Varela is the city where Rodrigo Palacios is from. Mm. You know Rodrigo Palacios, right? No. The, in, please. Uh, uh, Rodrigo Palacios is the nephew of uh, Julio Balmaceda. Ah, no, I did not know. Okay. He's so a young he, dancer. He's, uh, he danced with who? He danced at this. With Agustina Berenstein. Yeah, and he, he dances well with Ines Musopapa. Ah, yeah, he he is dancing something. He was dancing with Ines. Yeah. And the first time that I went to La Viruta mm -hmm. was at the end of the year of 1998. Oh, man, how was that experience? Uh, I might dance one song. <laughs> That's it. Did you go with a partner yeah. or did you go alone? No, 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 no. We went like a, people from the class, like a, the teacher, a, some other people that were in the classes. Like it was a group. So until we then, you'd been only to milongas that were local to where you were learning? Yes, exactly. And I was feeling like, this shit in there. <laughs> then I, went to of La... I went I went to La Viruta and I thought, okay, I suck. <laughs> so did that make you want to move to Buenos Aires? Uh, actually, since I was a little kid, I wanted to live in Buenos Aires. Ah. It's not that, sorry. Did you hear that? Yes. I don't know. It's, it's because okay. the ear... The earpieces that I bought are earpiece of shit. And <laughs> they keep falling off my ears and I had to put them back and accidentally the music turns on. They are very sensitive. Oh, no, we didn't hear the music. We, didn't hear. we just heard a little tap. Oh, we didn't we just hear the music. We just, yeah. Okay. Okay, got it. Um, sorry, what I was saying? Okay, since I was a kid, I wanted to live in Buenos Aires. Hmm. 
since probably since I was five, six years old, because my uh, my cousins they were living in in Villa Devoto, uh, and I was visiting every summer and staying there for a couple of weeks, and I always liked it. At some point, I end up living with them. Mm. Actually, it's just across the street. Uh, used to live Diego Armando Maradona. Oh! No way! Yes. I have wow. a picture with him. I have you a picture did? With him. Yes. I did actually you cry was, last week? Uh, I, crossed, I cried this week. Last week it was kind of like I didn't react. It was mm. kind of like, what? And suddenly this, this week I got a little bit more emotional. Mm. Amazing. How old yeah, I actually didn't share the picture with Maradona on Facebook because I was napping when my uncle came and said, hey, Maradona is, is, out, is out, outside, Maradona is outside. And I was napping, so imagine my face. <laughs> <laughs> Diego Maradona was in extremely good shape because he was getting ready for the World World Cup 1994. That happened oh here my in the God. United States. What? Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So you nice. just got up and ran out? Yeah, exactly. And I look like crap. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you tell him? Uh, I don't think I say anything. It's so hard in those moments. I've, I, I've, I've had a few moments where I'm going to take a photo with a celebrity or somebody I, I admire. And I, I actually, one time I was in line for this famous poet I really liked back in the 90s. And I waited in line yeah. and then I got to the front of the line and then I just left. And my friends were like, dude, we've been waiting here for 45 minutes. And I was like, I don't know what to say to this fucking guy. I don't, I don't know this guy. <laughs> it's so awkward. It's so weird. Yeah. yeah. So what do you say to Maradona? Hey, you're really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. plus you're a kid. You're, you're, did you know you're a really good I, soccer I player? Think he, <laughs> I think he kind of like hugged me, and wow. and that's it. That was it. You were touched by Maradona. <laughs> I want to touch you now. <laughs> the hand of touch God you touched you. <laughs> yeah. My Lord, you usually be in a in a bo crystal box like something. Collectionable. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I have an, a story about my aunt. One night, um, she was uh, outside in the front porch of the house, and Maradona arrived with Guillermo Coppola. Guillermo Coppola was a really close friend of Maradona, and so was his, how do you say in English? Uh, Marcelo, representante. Agent? Uh, it's an agent. Uh, it's manager. Agent. manager. Yeah, the special, the agent, the manager. So uh, Maradona and Coppola arrived uh, late that night in the Scania. The Scania is a huge truck, like a Volvo truck here. Uh, at some point, Maradona was crazy and I wanted, he wanted a truck. So he arrived very late and my aunt is there on the door, on the front porch, and Guillermo Coppola, he stood up on the on the edge of the um, uh, sidewalk, facing the street, 
and he pulled off his pants and he started peeing on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Not kidding. What the fuck? <laughs> well, these people were partying all the yeah. time, you know. They, at that point, they were probably high. No, you don't. And you drinks. don't pee in the streets sober, my friends. I, I can vouch for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it would be a really good idea right now. As if I pissed right now on the street. <laughs> the fact is, you would have to put on a coat and your shoes and everything to go pee. You still think that would be a better idea? Is it? Is it cold there? Is it snowing? Not, not, yet, not yet. Not yet. It's not snowing. But I can still cold. piss on the street. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I just started. I just started watching outside. the Netflix series about Maradona coaching in Mexico. And how was oh, it? There is a, I didn't know that there was a. Yeah, so. he was. Uh, he he was two years ago in twenty nineteen. It was just recently. He was coaching yeah, uh, yeah. the Dorados in Mexico. Tijuana. Yeah. yeah. I just started it. I just watched the first episode. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. He's 59. He's probably 58 years old in the show, and he looks just terrible. He can't walk well. Yeah. People are holding him up when he's getting around. He can't breathe. Well, but apparently he wasn't going to, to sleep for like days, weeks sometimes. Yeah, I had a feeling watching that that you, 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 abuse, you abuse drugs in your body for that long. You don't have any management over your own uh, facilities anymore you can't you probably can't shit or pee well either you know it's just oh. sucks so back to the labaruta days oh yeah yeah let's go <laughs> i've like diverted back so after that first visit to labaruta mauro yeah. How much later in your tango dancing you felt ready to go back and dance there to La Viruta? How much time oh, yeah. did it take for you to, to return Viruta. confidently? Uh, I don't know, confidence. Because I remember that then in 2001, I started dancing with uh, Cynthia Fattori. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I remember you were here yes. in New York partnering. Yeah, yeah then, then that was in 2004. But in 2001, we started practicing together because we were going to Julio Balmaceda's class and through Julio Balmaceda's class, we start practicing together. And also with Rodrigo Palacios, the three of us, we were doing at some point the classes together. And with, with that group of the class, we were going sometimes to the Milongas. We went one night to... I want to say Grisel, but probably wasn't Grisel. Was something else. And I went to that milonga. Probably was the first one after La Viruta. And at some point, everybody was dancing, and I was in the table. I think probably was Guillermina Quiroga who was sitting there. Of course, I knew who she was, and she had no idea who this guy sitting next to her was in there. And I, I just didn't have the guts to invite her to dance. I just sit there. Um, probably that night, I danced only with Cynthia. Um, also wasn't a good experience. 
<laughs> Why? Because of because the uh, like... I don't know. I didn't like much that place. I remember that I didn't really like the the place. But then I do remember that one night after the classes, that was on, on Fridays, we were teaching classes. And after the classes, we went to Canning for the first time. That was mm -hmm. my first time in Canning. Mm -hmm. And that very first time in Canning, uh, I arrived to Canning with my suit. I was very happy. And when I walk in, it was the first time that I was shocked by the tango scene. Mm. It's, it was kind of like the first time that I fell in love because in La Viruta, you, that, when I went that night, it was early in the night, so it was mostly young people and people from the class. So I didn't see like the, the dancers. To me, I, or maybe I don't remember, but I do remember that in Canning, when I arrived, was Carlos Gavito, eh, Pupi, Castelo, mm. eh, wow. Tete, eh, Tete Rufoni, all of them oh, were there. I Can I ask? And, and yeah, it was amazing. It's like right now I'm, I'm walking around the, the bedroom and remember what, that day. And it's, what is I, it like uh, to be so close to your idols? I mean, in the United States, we don't have that really, you know? Like, that must be well, amazing. I didn't really know walk, them back then, eh? You didn't know I, them, the but no, what I, I, you're I, close to me. What, what you I, should know. Mauro, what? what? <laughs> was Gavito. Gavito was the only one that I knew because it was that oh, big, the, the videos, you know, the Tango Lessons video. But then Tete, I did not know Tete back mm -hmm. then. Probably that was the first night that I saw Tete, uh, and I just like it. And yes, who were my idols were other like dancers, like Julio Balmaceda. But I, I already knew Julio because I was taking the classes. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know, it was, imagine, two, 2001, uh, there was still a lot of milongueros, like really good milongueros, and also like not so famous but really good quality. Do you remember, Marcelo? Probably 2001, there was amazing the milongas in Buenos Aires. It was amazing. That time, I think that the, the golden era for our generation, right? It was yeah. uh, 90, 95, I think, where, when, when the people started to dance more. And 2000, 2000 exploded. Because the tourism too, right? Yeah. Because the more people came from Europe and started to to consume more mm -hmm. tango, so there was more more teacher, more dancer, more. Like our and first trip was two thousand five, I think, and I still recall the table of milongueros at Canning, like couple tables, and yeah. they always were at the same table, like that they had their place there. I also remember the similar. Sorry, Marcelo. I yeah, 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 yeah. They were on the I table. Like got... it was at the moment that you get into Canning, they were on that. Uh, on the right table. side. Yeah. Yeah. On the corner. Yeah. And I also remember yeah. feeling the same way you, Mauro. Like Canning was the first place for me that I went to, which I was like, "What the fuck? This is this is the place." This is yeah. The place. I tried to dance. I couldn't dance. I, I end up in the middle of the dance floor of Canning. Like, literally, that milonga was packed. Yeah. 
packed like it took me space. years and the people were dancing amazingly and i couldn't not move i was just in the middle like probably the woman that was dancing <laughs> <laughs> are we waiting at a for it a bus i'm dancing with the worst dancer in the night yeah, yeah you are no, I, I i was the same because with chico i'm sure you might remember me saying this the floor oh God, in conning was so slippery yeah, so in slippery. the early days i know I was oh, like, yeah. what the fuck yeah. it's super crowded i've been dancing for yeah. a year yeah. and a half and the floor is wet as fuck like i can't even find my feet i've terrifying i remember bitching about it to oliver coker and i'm like because he was like i love cunning and i'm like how can you dance on this floor like it's so slippery and he was like what yeah. like it's the best floor in our stand up straight <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly carry yourself yeah. woman uh marcella were you gonna say something more sorry i think i like took over but i don't no, know no no that, that, i think that there was a time to to and and it's true uh i don't know if i th i think that the the worst floor to dance was not canning actually you know what it was niño bien niño bien was a sky a sky a ice it was ice yeah. i don't know if you remember oh, really? ice. yeah i only Niño remember Nesa. going there i never went there I much i never danced at niño bien I hadn't been there much because it was very far. It closed down a but long I time But I think ago. Niño Bien, what happened, it was uh, um, it was a lot of dust. Mm. Always Niño Bien was kind of like dirty. And mm. I think what happened, the reason why it was slippery, it was like very dusty, mm. the floor. I don't know. That was a, I, I, that was a place yeah. to dance. And you just do one step and you just like the, 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 sky, <laughs> the skates. You just go shh. <laughs> without walking just... amazing so seeing all these uh, milongueros at Cunning did you get to eventually work with some of them Mara? Uh, yes yeah, yeah. actually like um, when I was dancing with Cynthia she has a really good connection with some people and like we were getting together and Tete would come to the house and would teach us pretty much. It was for free, like we didn't pay anything. It was just like he would give us tips and not tips. He would like normally what they were doing is showing you movements. Showing you movements. Yeah. I loved working with It was very really fun. Yeah, it was Amazing. nice. I love Tete. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, we have awesome. a story many years ago. Uh, 2006, five, I don't know. We go to Conning, and Chico's wearing a pair of jogging pants with the word Donato on her butt. Uh-huh. Her big fat <laughs> butt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, it's a nice, it's a great butt. I meant that as a compliment, Jesus. And every time we go by Tete's table, he yells, Donato! Yes, he was. He was. Ah! <laughs> so, of course, he, it was of so course he asked her to dance. <laughs> yes, of course. I was so honored, yeah. but, like, embarrassed at the same mm -hmm. time. Because everybody, you know how cunning was. Like, everybody dressed up, and I was, like, sort of wearing yeah, these... We 
bright blue short sweatpants with Donata on my yeah. ass. Oh, you know, we were a part of a time when I think nowadays things like that are much more common in the milongas of Buenos Aires. But 10, 15 years ago, we were doing, we sometimes were hanging out with people that were just doing some silly stuff that wasn't always kosher. <laughs> but you got to dance yeah, with Tete. Yeah, I got to dance with Tete. Tomorrow. And then I got to dance with them in yeah. glasses. What inspired you? What brought you to the uh, the great old America here? <laughs> um, well, also, since, since I was a kid also, I knew that eventually I would live outside of Argentina. Why? It was always my, my goal. Because I always liked to be away from home since I was a very little kid. Did you feel I, different? I always had... What do you mean if I feel different? No, I wonder like if part of the reason you wanted to live somewhere else, maybe you felt different in comparing yourself to other people around you. Um, well, or I don't know if I was thinking about that back then. Uh-huh. Back then, I, only, I always was thinking about experiencing new places. Uh, I had the same so thoughts. So I grew up with the movies, American movies, you know, in, in Argentina. Uh, I I wanted to live in LA. I remember that I watched the movie The Terminator 2, mm-hmm. the second one. Mm-hmm. And the other movie that made me want to live in LA was a really shitty movie. But... <laughs> Anyways, I have to measure. <laughs> Howley Davison and oh my Marlboro God. Man. Don Johnson. And oh, my Rourke. God. No way. Yes. I know this movie. Oh, my God. I did watch yeah, Mickey Rourke. Rourke. Mickey Rourke Don Johnson. Mickey Rourke. Don Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it is I a like... terrible movie. But we all know it. I saw it too at the movies, too. <laughs> I, 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 I have to tell you. I watched that movie like maybe not a long time ago, like maybe a year ago, and I was thinking, what the fuck was wrong with me? And he's like, <laughs> now I'm stuck in America. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> no, I, I still like, I still um, like how I, uh, the, how myself develop through the years of being living outside of Argentina. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think probably that's for every single person who leave their country. Uh, so Marcelo might have an experience. Uh, Chico as well. Adam, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Adam. You just got kicked out of this. But to me, it's a very. I think it's a, it's a very good thing to. Yeah. Well, I I didn't obviously I didn't leave, and Marcelo's sitting in Argentina right now. So fuck you, bitch. Oh, but, I thought that Marcelo uh-huh. is living in in, in United States. <laughs> no, you were. I'm sure. You were. So, but hold on. I hold did, on. but the living? difference, guys, is the difference is that as Ma- Maori, we grew up looking at movies and things and wondering what is wrong with these people, and <laughs> now that I live there, I uh, the difference is that. I saw so many horror movies 
that when I go to the state, I always see like, oh, the ice truck come in with the with the devil <laughs> uh, uh, clown, or I hear the sound in the houses that they are like, oh, they feel like somebody's in the house, or like LA that Terminator or something would explode, or the aliens will invade invade the earth. So I have all these images in my image in my head now. Well, I also feel <laughs> like I I left the country because I moved from I was Cleveland say. to. New York, which New York is, is one of those few cities in the yeah, world that yeah, that's that's I a agree. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's a very yeah. New York place. is not United. It's States. not any place. You don't find a city like New York anywhere yeah. else in the world. So yeah. whatever. Uh, that's, you took the that's, words out Talking of my with you guys made me want to be there. Make me want to be there. I wish you were here. here. Well, everybody's so we welcome here. So they're while even we were you, in the same city. <laughs> even you and Marcelo. <laughs> I like that. Even so, you. But how, even hold you. on. I have, I have a question for Marcelo. I, I thought that Marcelo was living in the United States. He was. was I was. Mom? Okay. And what no, happened? I was. He got kicked he out, He plays man. both sides, man. He plays both sides. <laughs> no, I like... He's a double I, spy. I, I am a spy. <laughs> He's a double spy. I, I think so. My this job, I have the chance to live in in Europe and the states and, and and live like live live there, right? And and, and now we're in Argentina. And so it's I'm I what I feel is that all of I think the more of most of us we are more international people and and doesn't make a if there is a difference, of course. But at the same time, it's I don't know. I don't see it such a big deal now nowadays, particularly. Maybe twenty years ago, yes, but now. I don't see so much difference. Well, because you've accumulated all of this learning, you know, of course, I feel similar. It's like I'm almost 40 and I'm like, yeah, I don't have to live in New York forever anymore. But I would never have felt this way 20 years ago because yeah. I was felt I was missing so much in my life. I still am not ready to leave by any means, but you reach a point at a certain age when you're like, oh, okay, I don't need all of these stimulations, creative opportunities, things like this. Maybe now I can zen out and be with myself more. And you're like 50, 60, right, Marcelo? Yeah, 70. <laughs> 70. I'm, I look good. You should run for president. <laughs> I should run, period. <laughs> Point. I like how we took that. <laughs> I've been I've been walking since we started the show, guys. So what time? Two and a half hours. I've been walking around my kitchen counter. Wow! So Marcella, you can run. Do you need some? Do you need medication? Maybe. I like. <laughs> I want you guys to visualize. My uh, arms are behind me. Like guys walking in the prison garden, like one hand holding the wrist of the other on I my I think back of like the just like strolling the Asian my senior apartment. center across the street where there's old Asian people <laughs> walking around like this, their hands behind their back. Do you walk backwards too? They do that a lot. You should walk backwards. I have been actually every now and then I'm walking backwards. Can you hear, guys? It's the delivery boy no, with the empanada. Oh, fuck you. No, no. <laughs> Shit. No, no way. 
No, hold on, hold on. That is not important. No, hold on, hold on. No, no, hold on. Ask. Where are the empanadas from? Which place? What actually I'm empanadas? more concerned about is what's that stupid ass doorbell you have? <laughs> <laughs> I love that doorbell. It's awesome. Adam, you need to kick him off the I show. I don't have the. Where, I don't have got... the audio right now. Where did you, did you order the empanadas oh, from? Marcelo. Oh, he's going Marcelo to get his empanadas. Going to go get the door. Damn, oh, he man. ordered empanadas for real. <laughs> He did. <laughs> well, until, until I don't hear where the empanadas are from, I'm not going to be jealous. Because he's he's going to definitely empanadas. have to run because it's 11 p.m. for us. It's 1 a.m. for him. They're still delivering who empanadas. Who delivers empanadas at it's 1 a.m.? It's Buenos Aires, Chico. They're going to deliver empanadas all night long. <laughs> They're shooting videos in Veruta now. Obviously, they've loosened things up a little bit. So it's very late. It's very late. Most likely he ordered empanadas from Solo Empanadas or something like Some that. Some shithole place, yeah. Solo Empanadas. <laughs> Not even Solo. Solo. Is, uh, is Carol still with it's us? Terrible. Yeah, I'm here. Hi. I'm here. Hi. I, I, I was really careful. I, I, I'm sitting at a chair now so that I don't fall asleep on the sofa. So. <laughs> I love so it. that's true. You fell asleep on the show. Yeah, it was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> she did. <laughs> What's uh? So Margo, go ahead, Chico. Yeah. When did you decide to become a tango professional? How did that journey start? Actually, it was very fast. After I was, uh, I started with the classes, and I already was dating my teacher. She shared with me from the Solo Tango channel, TV channel, they were showing the show Perfume de Tango, Miguel Angel Soto and Milena Pless. I saw that in New York. I watched the performance uh, of Gallo Ciego Mm -hmm. and Chique, and that two performances made me want to uh, be a professional tango dancer. I already had like a sign up for the uh, cooking school, like for the chef, mm-hmm. but I actually didn't go because. Mm. I, I, so that I was your. Dancing. So that's why you forgot the Where eggs. You were headed. that's why I missed the classes you missed out on the classes god damn it so you wanted to be a stage performer or no I don't I was thinking about the stage or anything I was just pretty much that was the first time that I saw like something that was a performance Mm -hmm. I did not know that in the milongas exist a performance hmm. because the couple few times that I went to the milongas, I didn't see anybody performing. And actually back then wasn't that often that you would have a performance in the milonga. Interesting. It's, it's like now that you have a performance like every single night, like several performances. But back then, 1998, 1999, Actually, it was kind of like, like I knew about, for example, Julio Balmaceda's performance with like, probably 
several months in advance and I could mm. go to to watch the performance and I remember that we were packed the milonga the night that there was a performance. Amazing. Because besides the night of a performance, then the nights that they were really packed was over the weekend. Like I would go to Canyon on a Friday and then on mm -hmm. Friday night was packed. But the few nights that I went to dance, maybe in a Thursday or Wednesday, the milongas were not that packed, mm. unless that there was a performance. Mm. So if you were to think about the time you started and like uh, to think about how the scene is right now, what would be the thing that you wish still existed uh, and then what would be, what are, or is there anything that you're like, wow, I wish it was like this when I was a beginner or an intermediate dancer that that might be happening now that didn't happen mm. then? Well, what is nice about it now, but I don't know, everything has their pros and cons, uh, pros and contrast, uh, pros and cons. Pros and cons, yeah. yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 And so, for example, now uh, the information is much quicker, you know, like in, in six months, you can know so much more about uh, at least the mechanics yeah. in the dance. Back then, you had to figure things out in your own or maybe with a group of people that you decided that you are practicing together. Mm -hmm. But probably uh, to figure things out in your own, it made you to discover deeply uh, things about yourself. Like mm -hmm. there is something more personal about the dance. When like that we love empanadas, for instance. For instance, mm. where are the empanadas from? I just put it in the, in the chat. <laughs> you should smell that. <laughs> we love you. We're sending you to the You should smell this thing, guys. Where did you order them from? Where did you order the empanadas from? There is a club in the bottom. I just put the, the link on the on the bottom, but doesn't I don't think it works. It works. I just looked it up. It looks delicious. <laughs> Thank you. But however, I will say you've taken us to some places when we've been, when we visited that were meh, I would say not the best, but you know. <laughs> fuck you. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, Chico, you were the one who said it, Chico, you fuck. Don't leave me hanging here. We went to that fucking restaurant. We went to that fucking restaurant. Hey, you live in Villa Devoto, Marcelo? No, I am in Villurquiza. Ah, okay. Close enough. Adam, I delete such memories. If I had a bad experience... Last January, when we were there, we went to the... No, we were just there, and we went to the place that Marcelo took us to five years ago next to Casa del Sol and oh, we were yeah. like oh we remember Marcelo loved this place and we went there for lunch and we were like this place fucking sucks oh this is shit 
But I remember which one, man. So that time was not you were not with me. Come on. No, it was the one on the corner of uh, Poridon in. It was the one you always go to near Casa. Ah, uh, yeah, they have a good they have a good pizza, but I, the bananas they were not nice. What did you take? I don't remember. It wasn't Do pizza? Remember? I don't know. I probably had the schnitzel milanesa. No, guys. Next time you need to, I will take you to Milanesa places that you will die. Yeah, because it'll be terrible. Just... <laughs> <laughs> we'll die from COVID. <laughs> so back to what Mara was talking about. I completely agree, though. When am I hearing? Are you... Yeah. Can you guys hear me? I can hear. Okay. It felt like everybody disappeared on me all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. I can totally agree. Like when you have to yeah. figure out the stuff yourself, uh, it sticks with you for one thing. And yeah. then it opens different doors than when you're fed the information. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you're able to go deeper, like you were saying. Yes. Yes. Tomorrow. Uh, now. One of the things that I miss is like before it was a little bit more rustic. Now it's like, well, I don't want to get into like conflict, but it became a little bit more um, uh, vanidoso. What does that mean? Vanity, you know, like vanity. Oh, I see. Vanity. Yeah. Vanity. But it's still I good. Bro. I, I don't know. I cannot really say because, to be honest, I have to see what is happening now from the eyes of an inexperienced Mauro. So I cannot be honest, really of saying like what I like about now that I wish it would That's be. That's true. Back then. Because it was a different Mauro. Probably the performance, I would like to have more performances because it was very difficult to see, uh, to, to watch a performance. Yeah, and to see people that you would like to watch dancing is so much harder at the Milonga. But like also, especially like, especially bigger like, places. But but to go to Salon Canyon and to have all the milongueros dancing at the same time, I was amazed by that more than for a performance. Mm -hmm. I appreciated the performance back then, but uh, I was enjoying a lot just to be in, in the milonga and seeing the dancers moving around with with a crowded floor. I was impressed by that. And what did you feel was missing when you moved to United States? Like when you moved, what what was missing for you at the Milongas? Mm, no, I think. When I moved no. to... Don't so be so politically like... correct. No, 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 because no, he no, came no, to no, Montreal no. and the Milongas... I came to great. Montreal and I was very happy in Montreal. I was like there outside every single night. Every I didn't say Montreal, I, I said... Yeah, but it's Montreal States. that he came to first, is the thing. Exactly. 
Yeah. But I said because... when you first came to the United States, I didn't say when you first moved out of Buenos Aires. Guys, come on, listen to my English. Well, but it's in, perfect. But, <laughs> but in, in here, in here, I was visiting cities. Like I was going to New York for a little bit. I was going to uh, Portland to here and there. I wasn't really in one place until then in 2011 when I moved to St. Louis. I see. And then there is no no comparison. I decided to stay in St. Louis because uh, well, one of the things was very good for me for working. Uh, I was working a lot. And then the other good thing for me about St. Louis is that I cannot live in, or back then, it wasn't good for me to live in a fun city because I could get wasted very often. <laughs> and, and, and I lose didn't, focus. Yes, I didn't, I wasn't working. I was having a lot of fun, but then I, I, I wasn't doing what I, I came to uh, or I left Argentina for. I left Argentina because I wanted to work, work hard. Uh, in so a place course. like New York, most likely I could be, I don't know what would be my life now. You'd be partying but, all night. And in Montreal yeah. too, like Montreal has like Montreal, great locations yes, for milongas and like, not like how it was in New York was dance studios mainly I feel uh, so like you want to you want to meet you to you were saying don't be polite don't be polite so in Montreal I was feeling way more uh, tango ambience like Buenos Aires but let yeah, me explain you why part of the reason why I felt that way is because there were a lot of um, characters like a little bit like all milongueros uh, you know, Carol, what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like uh, um, El Chileno, um, El Escorpión. Mm -hmm. I don't know how is the name of El Escorpión. He is a Spaniard, I think. Oh, uh, uh, the, yeah. Um, Adam almost had a fight with him on the dance floor at Bailongo. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, we have uh, our characters in New York, too. Like me, motherfuckers. Who <laughs> <laughs> will come up to Montreal and kick the shit out of your old men? You're, you're night, special, Adam. I know. The nightclubs in there, like Café de Lima, it has a little ambience. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore, that place. No. I don't know if you've ever no, been there, but Café de Lima, it has a very like atmosphere, like similar to uh, Buenos Aires. And uh, back then, to me, like uh, Carol's place, uh, Studio Tango, it looks like La Viruta, even though it's completely different. But mm -hmm. to me, it was going to Studio Tango was going to La Viruta. Uh, going to Café de Lima was going to, I don't know, Salon Canning, something like that. Mm. And... The each, other each, each place had its own sort of atmosphere and yeah, yeah Milan, Milan, yeah. it was some kind of like an Inio Bien. Uh, 
and I liked how was presented the idea of uh, the bar. You have a bar where you can order your drinks. Uh, when I was in, in the, like the experience that I have in the Milongas in U in United States was more like a table with food. Um, uh, yes, you can order wine, but was different. And also was more like a dance studio, like it looks mm -hmm. like a like like a ballet dance studio. Sometimes it looks like mm -hmm. in some San Milongas. And the uh, ones in Montreal are more like clubs. Yeah, exactly. More like yeah, exactly. Exactly. So many other cities, their their dance spaces are amazing, and we. Yeah, Montreal to me is the the closest mm -hmm. feeling to. Uh, Buenos Aires in North America but then when I went to LA, LA has a very nice uh, uh, clubs or spaces venues but maybe the, the ambience wasn't really like like Buenos Aires but the venues, some of them were very nice, like this place Tango Mio I really love that venue, but it was different uh, because it was too too big and there isn't enough amount of dancers to feel like Buenos Aires. Probably part of the reason why Montreal feels more like Buenos Aires because the venues were not extremely large, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so with uh, like between fifty people and eighty people, you already have a very crowd. Uh, milonga and I don't know. I like. At, and, and for me, something that Montreal has as well is that European flavor. They have this French ah, touch yes. that that makes as well the the, yes. the, 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 the this flavor. There's something yeah, about absolutely. caring about the details that I notice in these these communities you're speaking about. Like New York, I think New York has a has a has a fun scene. Uh, I love New York tango scene. I love being a part of it. But New York overall is kind of a grungy, dirty city. As much as it's trying to clean itself up, the subways, the streets, there's mm -hmm. dirt, there's trash everywhere. Yeah. The Milongas reflect that in a way because they're just like... La Nacional. La Nacional is very like but, Buenos Aires. But that's an time. exception. What I'm trying to say is that New that's York, an exception, yeah. New York will throw a Milonga... Anywhere we can afford to do it. If it's, it has to be at a dance studio, it's at a dance studio. Um, and that's the personality. Yeah. Like New York's personality is ugly. And it's beautiful for that reason. And the other communities we're uh -huh. speaking about, they're very detailed. Um, they're beautiful because of the details. And, and it's something I noticed because I've traveled so much, like going to Montreal and seeing like, Carol, the way she takes care of Studio Tango and the little things she can apply. And, and when I was there with Barack and Kristen doing their their studio and being in Berlin so many times because my brother used to live there. And there were all these attention. And New Yorkers, we don't have that time or the money or the ability. Not time, it's the luxury, so I think. We're like, of, oh, we got what well, we have and yeah, it's an office building, but we turn the lights down and here's the floor. 
yeah. and that has its own thing, but it's definitely not the same nostalgia that relates yeah. to Buenos Aires because Buenos Aires also has that history and the you guys have access to spaces that are just so elegant and beautiful. Yeah, yeah like it's so like we looked for for one event, remember Adam, when we had Horacio for the first time with Magu, we looked for like we wanted this event to be at the non-tango studio or not dance studio. and like the prices we not yeah not a dance studio and the prices we would get for the night were like 15k and over mm-hmm. for any place that like we could throw an event at and in the end the place we got ended up being a dance studio and we probably did spend close 3, to five thousand dollars including like because uh, we had to get security, like there was a lot of expenses, and we carried like artwork from Newark to make it work, like so the space wouldn't. Well, look we so tried up. to add that detail of something, you know, to a. But it was like there was no space. way we could do that regularly. Yeah. Well, one of the the things that I really don't like, it was that now I appreciate it, but back then I was kind of like what the. I can arrive to a milonga and to have a table full of uh, fruits, like, you know, like bananas cut in pieces, uh, some chocolate. Sharon's uh, laughing chips, from the other cookies. room, by the way. And it was kind of like, <laughs> like, what the hell is this? I'm going to a kindergarten. It's a kermes. It's a kermes, guy. It's a kermes. But Mauro, oh, we Mauro, have a word, Marcelo, Mauro, what? and I don't know, Carol, uh, how much you've worked in the U.S., but Mauro, you live in St. Louis. Gino, you've traveled yeah. all around the United Like, you've been to cities, these tiny, tangled communities, where they will spend, yeah. Gijay is listening. I mean, they'll spend $200 on the spread. You walk in, there's more food on this table than half of in Buenos Aires. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And nobody there knows how to dance tango. They came there for the food. So yeah. it's, it's, Indeed. It's, it's these small <laughs> little communities. Hey, I'm not against it. I support it. I think they, they, they all, if you're there and you're having a good time, that's what it's for. Well, that's like mm. the way we try to keep beginners. And we feed them. Pre-intermediate dancers in Eric, like yeah, you feed them, you give them wine, like you make them last longer at the milonga. So you, little by little, like they dance a little bit more each time, and like fatten them up. If (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, you know what I what I so you have to bribe them to stick to tango. I I was studying I was studying this table of food, and I have a theory. I think that this table food is fundamental for these types of communities because it's the only yes. place where people really chat. Yeah. yeah. In the middle, there is other places they, they are like just dancing or standing and they have this awkward silence and there is people just looking at the dance floor because there is no table, right? So you have the, the, the for instance, the, one of the nicest conversations they have in, in Dango Cafe is in the food table. But you have to. <laughs> when you, yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> because again, 
Mm, that cookies are very yummy. Have you tried them? But mm. you guys, you've spent a lot of time in the United States, not in Montreal, not in Canada. But tango dancers in the U.S. are not used to drinking much, so we don't. We have certain milongas, la nacional, la le belle époque before, where they have a bar. Destino. Oh, yeah, but, but yeah, we're not a culture that goes dancing in tango, at least, to drink. I'm a special case. Well, Actually, the drink is for here drinks way more than in Argentina. But yeah, it's true. The tango people do not drink because here the people really drink. Mm -hmm. Go to St. Patrick's Day. Come on, man. <laughs> well, that's man. But the drink, the drink is for talking. It's the drink is talking. The, the, the drink is like for talking. This is for instance, other places that I remember, New York has, New York has La Nacional, has you guys Tango Cafe, you have as well uh, uh, Ukraine with uh, the Mondays. So you have the table, you put your, your, your cup of wine, you sit and you talk with somebody. And for me, that is fundamental for, for a milonga, this yeah. social yeah. aspect, mm -hmm. not just the dance. Absolutely. And I feel like it changed a lot. Like, this is another reason I asked this question originally, because like when we started, there was a I don't, I feel like there is a lot less alcohol at the Milongas. There was a lot less socializing at the Milongas. It felt more like people went to dance and they danced and they like left. A gym. And yeah, in a way. And I feel that changed a lot over the years. And like, so now people go hang out like some of our friends come and they don't want to dance that night but they just stopped in and because they want to hang out with their friends um, but that wouldn't have happened before anyway yeah this i love it yeah this is something that i agree about that you guys are an Next, when we come back, there is something that uh, be nurtured in the tango scene in New York. That this this social aspect of the of the milonga, where some people just sit there and look and talk well, and be me. friendly. We've been, We've been nurturing that for years. No, but that's <laughs> definitely a scene now. I mean, I've thinking about since March how the community in New York is stuck together for the past nine months yeah amazing it's insane amazing you would think you know if, if you're really? from the outside you might not see it but as somebody who lives here i've never felt closer as a community in new york I people agree. are coming out of I the agree. woodwork to help each other to stay connected yeah i mean look at this podcast i mean there's Just no other support. city in the world that has a live call in tango podcast show okay so <laughs> you could have the best looking venues and the greatest community but so i'm not gonna harp on this any longer but I, I i have a lot of pride in this community been here for a long time traveled a lot seen a lot of other communities and i care for them deeply as well but there is a lot of community support here so i'll just leave it at that i agree that's awesome that is awesome, and yeah, and and if this, I remember this place. I think that I, like any of the big city, right? The New York, Berlin, Buenos Aires, Montreal. There is this this need to connect because it's such a huge places where 
it's easy to be just lost between all these people and all this mass of so to find this little tribe where you feel yourself an individual that you have a people that connect with you is super important also mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. nice there's a lot of people that especially living in major cities they never really have friends because they spend so much time in social network activities so they go play volleyball and then they go rock climbing with their friends you know but they're never or they go to the bar and watch sports and a lot of people are learning through COVID that hey i don't have any friends like i don't know anybody really and um mm -hmm. wow really yeah <laughs> I think like, it happens. I've, I've been reached out to like, people that I know through my Tango community yeah. who are like, "Hey, Adam, um, I kind of thought you we were friends through Tango, and I'm really lonely." And I'm like, "Yeah, I thought we were we're totally friends." Aww. And they're like, "Well, I don't really know what a friend is. Like, they've never had to confront themselves sitting alone weeks on end. Like, I don't have a family. I don't have wow. friends. I just did this and this and this to occupy my time and keep me occupied." And I'm real. I'm learning through this experience, but I'm seeing it in our community, like, and not just in New York, but Tango, our family. We're coming together. We're we're here united. We're supporting each other, and we've seen it. You know, all of us listening right now. Like, who are the seven or eight or nine people that you've stayed in touch with since March? Marcelo, you've called in every week. You're a good friend. Like, obviously, Carol, come on. Gijay yeah. popping in and out. James, you know, like there are certain people you have made a choice to reach out to since March because they matter to you. April. And and She's that's so something that you might have chucked up in the past to just like, oh, well, they, ha they just show up every week, you know, so of course I'm going to see them. But no, now we have to make time to reach out. And that is very special. I agree with you, and, and I can now, on top of everything that you said, I was reading a newspaper and, and my work as a, as a coach as well, this is something that I noticed. Uh, the, the need to connect in this moment to, to, to feel that even though we cannot touch shoulder to shoulder, there is people to reach and feel vulnerable with and, and exchange ideas and learn how to communicate. And, and it's, it's just a community is it's special because we dance together and there is this con physical contact. And that is something that I really believe that in, when the, this pandemic go away, we, as a town community, we have a lot to share with the rest of the public, all the other kind of people, to, to share this nice bonding that we have as a community. And I'm using this in my, in my coaching and it's, it's fun, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, fully agree. Well, Mara, I want to. We're going to cry now. Don't cry. Don't cry. Eh? Don't, 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 don't cry. Come on. Forgot. We forgot. Mara's our guest of honor. Yeah. Well, well, part of the reason why I, I'm kind of like disconnected from the tango scene is because COVID. It made me sad. It made me sad. No, no, no. It's like I, I didn't do anything kind of like online thing i didn't really participate until recently into like a, a one one milonga you know like live 
I don't. Mm-hmm. I want to say. And I actually, I actually enjoyed that milonga. I was DJ, uh, and I felt good about it. And now I'm, I'm enjoying this. But at the same time, I know that tomorrow, when I realize that I won't be going out to dance tango anywhere mm. anytime soon. Right. It made me kind of like depressed, and then is I feel hey man, weird. Look, I haven't done shit. I don't enjoy really. myself. Like, we do this podcast every week. We've had some classes. I'm not training. I'm not dancing. It may seem online in the virtual community that we're really involved, and and there are a lot of other people who are way more involved. So don't get yourself down. It's it's a fucked up time, and we're all just doing weekends. We like, I just have this podcast. Yeah. This is a, this is what I do, and then I fuck off six days a week. So, like, <laughs> come on. We need to do come back to the lesson, guys. I miss no, you. I, I want I to. Yeah, to see I you miss you too. But it just will... as Mar- as Mauro yeah, was like, come on. Like, I was getting down too. I was just like, okay, we're doing these lessons. I was enjoying it, but wasn't the thing that I really in loved, you know, dancing tango, socially being with friends and community. Yeah. So yeah, to right. me what I realized is that tango without the social aspect it it's is not, tango, not truly yeah. tango. It's not. That's true. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Because even this last summer when we were allowed to open and have some classes uh, in a very limited capacity because the the accent was that we weren't allowed, nobody was allowed to socialize, right? <laughs> we were, people mm-hmm. were permitted to come and dance with a partner, but they weren't allowed to go near anybody else. That it's like people do it one time, they think it's fun, but then after that, nobody wants right. to really come yeah. back. It's it's not like a milonga, right? It's, it's okay if you really, you know, how long can you really dance with the same person? Like if you're married and yeah. stuff, maybe you really don't want to dance with your wife like for hours on end. <laughs> don't say that loud. Don't it's say that like, loud. Oh. Carol, please. Most of the people, <laughs> most of the people who, who happen to have a, a partner uh, that they can dance tango in the living room of their house, most They're of not. them, they are I not danced dancing. one night yeah. with Sharon, a couple songs. And that's it because that's not then that's not our we're we love each other for other reasons you know <laughs> like that's not our thing, um and that's for me not tango like well, standing during, around in my living but room let's dancing say that, is not tango so I don't know. But if you are in a normal time, it probably it would be more common for you to dance like for fifteen minutes, twenty minutes at your house. Sometimes is more. Uh, possible than doing it right now what do you mean or was more possible oh yeah yeah no i see what you mean yeah like before you would dance like when when the the copy didn't exist you might go dance with your your, uh, girlfriend but not Mm -hmm. now and it was actually a lot of fun when we did it but it's just Mm -hmm. like you said for me tango is a lot more it's the community Carol, you said it too, like just going out. And it's. I was talking about, I was I talking the other know. night about, with my friends about like 
exercising. And he's like, yeah, I have some weights in the basement, but it's I, I just don't have the motivation all the time. And I was like, it's about the ritual. It's about like, mm-hmm. I have to get up, get ready, go to the gym, figure out how to get there. You know, whatever it is, whether you walk or take the train or drive your car, check in, do your shit watch your show on tv or whatever you do like leave come home shower it's like a whole thing it's not the same <coughs> tango's not the same when it's like mm-hmm. you your wife or your partner's on the couch and you're like hey babe let's dance a tondo <laughs> well more than anything like not being in a group of people dancing on yeah. the floor and always like um that's like not being at the milonga mm-hmm. to dance Mm-hmm. I mean, even like when we would practice daytime, we always talked about this. Like, it never feels the same to dance at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the same dance studio as it does at midnight or at 2 a.m. No, I mean, if you're dancing yeah. at 3 p.m. at La Rosa, at El Beso, yeah, it's different. But at the studio, guys, um, I'm being informed by Podbean that we're going to be cut off any second now. We have a three hour limit. Oh. Okay. So okay. I want to say thank you, Mauro. Of course. Oh, thank you. Marcelo. Yes. Thank you for inviting Carol. me. Thanks joining for joining. Us. Guys, nice, just nice something, something important to tell you guys. The empanadas oh. are delicious. <laughs> oh, they have eggs. Hey, Marcelo. 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 <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. It's delicious. Eggs. It's yeah, no, doesn't have it. Falta empanadas. Falta empanadas. I'm going to make empanadas here in San Luis and I'm going to deliver them to Montreal and to New York, but not to Buenos Aires. Do they have eggs? Fuck you. Handmade dough. Handmade dough. Amazing, juicy, warm. Do they have eggs? Mm. No, it doesn't have it. <laughs> no eggs. It's not an empanada. There's a little bakery two corners from my house that has empanadas. Oh, you're so lucky. Nice. There is nothing around my house. (laughs) I love you guys, and I'm starving now. All right, talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Thanks for calling in, all of you. Bye-bye, guys. Love you all. Carol, thanks for calling in. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye. Love having you. Bye, Maro. Bye-bye, guys. Love you. Come to New York, all of you. Yes, I will. Bye-bye. Bye. Even though our dance spaces suck. <laughs> Bye, Chico.